0: What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a lot to talk about on today's show. It was a really uh, big week. First of all, I do want to shout out Rob Parker, who joined us last week to do our MLB, our two-part, a second part of our MLB um, preview. That was really awesome to listen. And I, obviously, a lot has happened since that. Uh, the season has gotten underway. We're going to talk a lot about that at, start at the top of the show. But if you didn't get to catch that podcast uh, not only can you catch it on our normal um, outlets, whether it be uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and TuneIn, you could also catch it on YouTube because we we filmed that podcast as well. So it's a video podcast as well as about, you know, 25, 30, 25 minutes, I'd say. So it's a good listen. It's a good watch. So if you have time and you want to still, you know, kind of see our predictions for the season, make sure you check out that conversation. But um, this is going to be big show. Obviously, Kendall's with me today. We're going to be talking a lot about this Marlins COVID outbreak. It's the biggest story in sports, one of the biggest stories in the country right now as the country continues to grapple with this pandemic. The, Mar- the Marlins situation, excuse me, uh, really kind of becoming um, just like kind of an epitome of just just where we are as a country and in our in our response to this virus. So we'll be talking a lot about that and MLB's will future with this season. Also, we got the NBA season that's now right around the corner. So far, so good in regards to their covid response no covid cases for several days now um and we don't want to you know get cocky obviously but in despite some of the uh, antics by some of its players and some of the reckless behavior by some of his players it seems like so far the bubble is holding so uh, we'll be talking about the nba bubble and and the restart we also have a coaching hire The new york knicks finally pulled the trigger on tom thibodeau so we'll give you guys our thoughts on that and the nfl is just losing players just it seems like by the hour Um, We're now at 23 as we do this podcast Tuesday night. Uh, That's nearly a half dozen players that have opted out of the season because of the COVID pandemic. And and last week we saw what looked kind of almost like a like a like a mutiny (laughs) with players coming out on social media, tweeting that they were not comfortable with the parameters that were put in place that led the NFL to to tweak some things, add some more testing. But nonetheless, we've still had uh, plenty of of, of, of opt outs for this season, so we'll be talking about that as well. Kendall joins me as my uh, co-host, and Kendall, this was a big weekend for me. It felt it felt this weekend, Kendall. I'll be honest; it, it was a great weekend, and that may sound kind of crazy considering as a as you know me Mets Jets, and Knicks fan, all the chaos that went went down. So you had the Mets. Who were in the driver's seat in their series against Atlanta? You had Edwin Diaz blow a save in the ninth inning on Saturday. On that same day, you had uh, you know the Knicks stuff with Tom Thibodeau, which we'll get to later in the show, and then you had Jamal Adams. So the the former Jet, now he's a former Jet safety. The team had traded him Saturday after he went to Manish Mehta of the Daily News and gave a very extensive interview about exactly what his issues were with the Jets. He had demanded a trade about a couple of weeks ago. And he basically kind of, you know, set the set the franchise ablaze, said that, uh, you know, Joe Douglas didn't seem to have a clue about the direction of the team, said that he kind of changed his answers about whether or not he was willing to give him a a big extension, said that Adam Gates showed no leadership and there was no way uh, they could win with him as the as the top man. It was a scathing interview. And days later, he was gone. So he's now uh, a member of the Seattle Seahawks. The Jets. I gotta admit, man, they got a lot in return here, Kendall. They got uh, for two first-round picks, one from two thousand twenty-one, another one from two thousand twenty-two, a third-round pick, and Bradley McDougal, who's a starting safety for the Seattle Seahawks. Adams and a fourth-round pick go to the Seahawks. Look, I'm a Jet fan, Kendall. It, it's it, it feels like Chris us all over again. Jamal Adams played did did the Chris staffs playbook. He did every single note. Start doing weird tweets in the middle of the season and cryptic tweets. Taking the team off your bio on on Instagram. Um, I, you know,
1: talking about teams, franchises. Talking
0: about other franchises. Like he just like I don't know if Brother Jonas or whatever the hell Chris' brother's name is. I don't know if Giannis. he called. Yeah, I don't know if Jonas called up uh, Adams Aiden and said, "Yo, dog, I know how to get out of New York City." got. it's got be. There's a movie right where somebody's trying to like escape the city like I feel, and like you know it's like i feel like it's one of like the, the warriors movie or like that that 21 bridges movie whatever with uh, Chadwick Boseman that's how i feel like this went right. down like adams didn't know how to get out of new york he had to call some people he found the last guy who was able to do it that of course being um kristas and then he just did everything he did everything complete the T, blast the coaching staff blast the organization and eventually demand a trade and then get his wish go to the scorch earth route um, he even went further because he actually got to you know sit down and do a, a full on the record interview, unlike the kind of off the record kind of mumble, uh, you know, uh, rumors that we had with Chris Dax being unhappy with the team direction. Here, this was just Jamal just saying, "Hey, this place is whack." I went out, and he's gone. But as a Jets fan, I, I I gotta I can't hate on the Hall. I can't hate on two first round picks and a, and a third round pick, and then a starting safety to replace him for a guy who is a a He's an elite player. I'm not. There's no denying Jamal Adams as a great player. He's just not a transformative player for the Jets. I've watched Jamal Adams for three years. I've watched Jets defense be mediocre for three years. They're going to be mediocre. They were going medi- to be mediocre with him this year. They're going to be mediocre without him. They probably will take a step back. But I just don't. I don't know if if the headache he was becoming was worth. Not taking this haul, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying I was. I would have been looking for them to ship him just to anybody because he was becoming such a problem. But I, because I, because they had a lot of leverage. He had two years on his contract. But at this, in this, in this position, where you know you're gonna have to pay him a lot of money, and then he's causing all these problems. The work to try to put that together, and to, and then pay him all that money, knowing that your defense still won't take any major steps this year, most likely, they couldn't do it. So I, 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 I can't hate on what Joe Douglas did. This is a, a great trade in my eyes, but what do you make of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, similar to the the, the Porzingis situation, I think I, it's tough to ever look at these situations as a victory for the team that's giving up the, the young superstar talent on a rookie contract um, because this is somebody that you just drafted in the top five um, not too long ago. And now is they developed into a you know a top three safety in the league, and he wants out and your team it, i i feel like it'd be different if the jets were already good like if they were already a solid team that had a chance to compete, and you could argue like maybe they they' have a chance to do something in the a f c in the a f c east, which is gonna be weaker this year, but um. But it is, it is unfortunate, given that, yeah, this is this is a, a team that's kind of starting from scratch to begin with, and now you have to completely start from scratch because the best piece that you have on either side of the ball, you don't have to give up. So on the, in that regard, it was similar to the KP thing in that regard, but c- considering the haul that they got, I agree that I see why people are excited. You know, I, I see the notion that, Safeties normally don't get two first-round picks, a third, and a replacement starter. I I do, on some level, wonder, are you going to draft anybody as good as Jamal Adams? We'll see, but last time we talked about this, um, I think I said that I thought Jamal Adams was going to get traded because I think Joe Douglas is certainly the type of guy that's going to feel like I can find better pieces with more assets in the draft, so he's a scout's scout. So I think you feel like you give him two extra first-round picks in the next two years. It doesn't matter if those picks are twenty five. Think he, he thinks he's going to get another stud. He thinks he's getting a starter. So if you tell me, so if you tell me you're, you're trading, and he he might feel like that third-round pick could be another starter. So you're telling me you're trading Jamal Adams for. What could end up being in Joe Douglas's mind four starters? That's not a bad that's not a bad deal. But that's the key, is you have to draft well. Because if you don't draft well in this trade, it doesn't mean anything. Um yeah. and that history historically has not been great when it comes to drafting under other previous regimes. But hopefully this one will be different. You know, but if this is another Kyle Wilson. Or a you know a Vernon Golson or a D. Milner. Jesus. I mean, there's, yo, there's They're a real kidding. case that the
0: Jets have had have been the worst drafters in the last ten years. Like I I don't even know if it's even comparable. I don't think I don't know. If there's a case for anybody else. Yeah, 10, 15. I would say fifteen years. You know, yeah, yeah. Pretty much since Brick and Mangold. That was a yeah, surprise. that was the last good draft. <laughs> that was the last good draft the Jets have had. The only good guy <laughs> they drafted since then. Is now a Seattle Seahawk? Like it's crazy. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's really crazy. And so that that would make me if I was a Jet fan and being somebody from New York, like you know, again I'm privy to the Jets drafting knowledge. But like yeah, that would be that would be something that would make me queasy if I was a Jets fan, knowing that all right, you know, we, now we're gonna <laughs> we're just gonna hope that these draft picks are gonna work out because. But look, Joe Douglas again. Any 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 Jets fan that. Um, is worried about that. I would caution them or, you know, would comfort them by saying Joe Douglas has a history of being an excellent uh talent evaluator. So comes from that Baltimore Ozzy Newsome tree, spent time in Philly with Howie Roseman. So I think he feels confident. Give me um give me extra draft picks. We're gonna get some studs and we'll be back. And it probably fits the timeline anyway. I mean, Jamal Adams is a stud now. It's going to be a stud for the next 10 years. So, I mean, his timeline is, is great. It's not like he's old. But I guess they they feel like, well, we're not seriously competing for another two or three years anyway. So in those two or three years, that's when the, it, we're going to have the influx of young talent on rookie deals. So I I can see the logic, especially when you consider you're not having a guy who's been a problem child for you. But, And none of the teams that Adams wanted to go to we're gonna be teams that were are gonna be drafting in the NFL lottery, quote unquote. They wouldn't be drafted. Right. They're not gonna be drafting any, any team. There's not gonna be any team drafting in the top fifteen. If you wanted to go to a contender, honestly, the closest team would have been if you would have traded them to Philly or Dallas. Right. That would have been one of the two teams where I'm like, eh, could they, you know, just have a year where they just completely stumble? They go eight and eight, seven and nine, and they're drafting fifteen. And sure. the thing, but the thing that people also gotta understand, Kendall, of, is it's not just, um,
0: it's not just okay, you have. You know, let's say the Seahawks don't flop for any reason. The next two years are still a top team. It's not just okay. You have an extra additional pick in twenty in the high twenties or even low thirties, maybe, uh, for two more years. Remember, now this is extra draft capital that you can also use to move up to maybe get a stud player. Maybe the yeah. Jets, will, who maybe they won't make the playoffs again this year. Maybe they're sitting at seven, and but maybe there's a guy at three they really want. Maybe there's a guy right. that has star written all over him. And they say, no. "All right, we'll take that or- draft capital that we just inherited, and we're not going to get crushed by giving up so much because these are additional assets. These aren't assets we've had, you know exactly." What I'm saying? Like so,
1: and again, goes back to Joe Douglas, the scouting eye. He may feel like there's a guy that he thinks is a Hall of Fame talent, but he's got to be able to get up there to get him, and this allows him to do that. And if that turns into, like, if if we can look back three years from now, let's say the Jets traded some of these assets to trade up to get let's say they get uh Micah Parsons from Penn State linebacker, mm-hmm. pass rusher, and he ends up being an all pro another Khalil Mack level guy, then you're fine with that trade. <laughs> then you're Absolutely. like, Well we the the the, the assets we, we we got from Adams helped us get this guy.
0: Adams is an unbelievable player, but at the end of the day at his position, uh both both ends or pass rushing spots are way more valuable. Corner is way more valuable.
1: Tackle. Uh,
0: well, I'm talking about just defense. Oh, yeah. Free safety is way more valuable. Like, those positions, and it's nothing against Adams as a talent. I think he's a great talent. but And I think he's going to play great in C- Seattle. You know, Barring any injury, I think he's going to go there. I- I'll be honest. I do have some character concerns. I think he did conduct himself in a way that didn't show any leadership this year at all. And, you know, he he'll he'll fight that and say, Look, you don't you're not in there with me in the facility, in uh, you know, in the meeting rooms, which I'm sure in those situations he's great. But I, I think that some of the antics the antics that we do see, the antics that he put he put out there on social media do undercut a lot of the leisure qualities he's been attached to throughout his entire career, not just in the NFL, but in college. So yes, I do think that he has some character concerns and I do wonder what if he's the kind of guy that when things are going south, he starts kind of just pointing fingers at everybody else and just pouting because that's what he did all last year, and um and we'll, we'll see how that goes. But Seattle's a great team. He's an unbelievable talent, so I expect him to ball out and have a great season and establish himself truly on a national stage, which is good for him because I feel like he's definitely one of he's he became kind of one of the you know the the unspoken secrets of the NFL. He was just a dominant player. It just didn't matter because of his position. And the fact that the rest of the defense, the corners were terrible. Just couldn't get any pass rush. Like, you know, he can only do so much. Seattle has some of those other assets that are necessary to have a solid defense. Or he's a better defense than they've had in recent years. Um, so Adams, he's going to play well there. But uh, but but we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, just got young Ashton Davis in the draft. I know he's a third-round pick, but a lot of people thought that that was an excellent pick. And McDougal is a player who, who, who has started and played well. You know, um, he's excellent in man-to-man coverage. Uh, we know Greg Williams likes to blitz, so he looks like a good fit for this particular defense, him having to go up against man-to-man and tight ends and slot situations. So, look, you don't ever love giving up arguably the best player in his position. You don't ever love doing that. But I think the Jets were in a position where it couldn't continue on the way it was continuing on. They weren't going to give him his money. They couldn't have him just barbecuing the team in the media for weeks at on end. You couldn't have that. So something had to give. And shout out to Joe Douglas, he said he was not going to trade Jamal Adams unless he had an offer that wowed him. I think someone picks up the phone and says, hey, I will give you two first and a third if you give us a fourth. And you're a replacement for this guy if you give us Jamal Adams. I don't don't know anybody who could be mad at that. Some people say, okay, well, I'm mad that we're in a position where the team has been so terrible for years that now we can't keep high-end talent. I agree. There's no argument there. I don't know if any Jet fan disagrees with that. Everyone agrees that yes, this team and its putrid uh, ability to put rosters together has absolutely put them in the case. It's the same thing with the Knicks. It's, it's the same frustration. So I totally right. get that, but that, that,
1: we can't control the past. We gotta just look that, at where that, that we're at now. That's why I say this is this is ultimately on some level a major disappointment. It's imagine if you told a trying to think of, of, of an analogy from this year's draft. Uh, imagine if you told a Cardinals fan that in three years, Isaiah Simmons is going to be a top-five defensive player in the league, but he's going to demand a trade because of how inept the, the franchise is. Yeah, that, you make one pull your hair out. Yeah, you're going to be like, what? Yeah. So we, we hit on this draft pick. The guy is just as good as we hoped he could be, but not only is he going to demand a trade, but then you're actually going to trade him. I mean, that's not like a guy five, six years down the line. There's nothing you can do about that. You know, sometimes guys, a lot of things can happen in five, six years. Three years? And it's already gotten to this point. I mean, it's 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 frustrating, you know. But of course, again, as a Jets fan, you've seen every moment of how we got here, and and once you get to the, once you see every moment of how you get to this point, obviously, again, if you look on draft night and you look and you tell somebody that they're gonna again you're gonna, you're gonna pull you're gonna pull their hair out. But when you see the little things that happen to make us get to this point and you see the package that they got back there, the part of you that's like, "You know what? This makes sense." So, I I think it's 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 not the end of the world for the Jets. It's just we're just the timeline got pushed back a couple of years, which is is fine. They still have a very young quarterback, but it is going to be tough because at what point this was supposed to be the Jets' window. This this moment where was, Donald- yeah, this was
0: supposed to be the beginning of the Jets' looking
1: like a competent football team donald on the back years of his rookie contract was right. supposed to be the window of we gotta be we gotta start competing we should have a lot of talent around this young kid because and we have to figure out whether or not he's the guy i don't feel like these next few years for Darnold are less about winning as much as it is now just evaluation is Darnold the guy because are you gonna really feel comfortable paying sam Darnold? 150 million i mean i don't think he's getting mahomes money but even if he's getting 150 million are you going to be comfortable paying him that if the jets don't make a playoff game
0: yeah it's 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 a uh, it's it, i i know i'm studying right now because i who's i know you can't feel comfortable about it and it's, it's unfortunate because yeah. i think all a lot of Jeff fans want to believe in darnold but yeah you're in a position where five years no playoff appearances and you kind out. of have this like middling thing where he looks good and you see the talent, but because of the lack of resources, you don't really know if he's really the guy. Had the do these years of getting beat up with a bad offensive line and having to carry the team, does that kind of weigh on him? Like, you no, know, like there's all these factors that that will go into that. And that's that's a I'll tell you what, man, that's 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 a gonna be a conundrum for the Jets in a couple of years. I'm not looking, looking, not looking forward to that, but. Um, We'll talk more football towards the end of the show. I want to get to the baseball stuff. So we're less than a week into the baseball season and MLB is already dealing with a COVID catastrophe. The league has suspended all Miami Marlins games through Sunday. As of Tuesday night, when we're recording this podcast, 17 players tested positive for the virus, creating great doubt about whether MLB will be able to actually continue the season. Along with the Marlins and Orioles game being postponed Monday, the Yankees Phillies game was also called off. Since the Phillies had just finished playing the Marlins over the weekend, the Yankees uh, players voted unanimously to head to Baltimore after the league decided that they were going to postpone the home-and-home series of Phillies. The Yankees were set to play in Philadelphia and New York to instead go to Baltimore and start their second road series of the season against the Orioles starting Wednesday. Uh, because the Orioles were supposed to play, you know, the Marlins. Now that that's not happening, that they're just going to get the Yankees and Orioles to, to play an extra series here, I guess. Now, Commissioner Rob Manfred does not appear to be panicking over the Marlins outbreak. Several baseball writers say uh, the league, quote, uh, league, not quote, uh, never considered suspending play, and Manfred said he believes the league's protocols are working. He told MLB Network, quote, we built protocols anticipating that we would have positive tests at some point during the season, the protocols were built to allow us to play through those positives. We believe the protocols are adequate to keep our players safe. Um, and that's what I've seen heard from a lot of reporters kind of was, you know, look, man, there's a 60 man pool of rosters for a reason that we knew there was going to be some static and we were going to have to make adjustments and teams were going to be ready to, to, to have a whole new set of players ready to get in there. So there are also questions now, though, about whether the Marlins behavior could contribute to the outbreak. One USA Today columnist says he's heard members of the team were out partying in Atlanta during one of the last exhibition games against the Braves. And according to Matt Gell of The Athletic, quote, Some prospective Phillies have been alarmed all weekend by how the Marlins had appeared to not stagger their arrivals and workouts and how few people in the Marlins dugout were wearing masks. So, Kendall, with all this being said, uh, this is obviously kind of completely overshadowed the the, the aspects of the games that we've seen. Though we will touch on that a little bit. Do you still have confidence that MLB will be able to complete its season despite this? The only way to describe this this early disaster.
1: Um, confidence. I, I it's tough for me to say that I'm. I have I have a ton of confidence at this point. Um, you know you have hope really all you can do is hope but you know that that's that's more on your heart but your your head (laughs) in these situations is telling you that the science doesn't really support the idea that this is going to be able to that this isn't going to get worse because it can't really it can't really get better like better is there being no cases and like and it getting worse it only gets worse from there. Like, once it gets worse, it doesn't really get better. So that's the concern is that, all right, the Marlins are are a mess right now. And who knows if and when they'll be playing baseball. But your feelings look, all right, w- it, but that's that's. there's still plenty of other teams that have seasons to play. um. But, again, they, they, that's not rock bottom. It can happen to another team around the league. Um, it could happen to the Tampa Bay Rays, who are not far from the Miami Marlins. It could happen to the Atlanta Braves. It could happen to the LA Dodgers. It could happen to the San Francisco Giants. It could happen to the Oakland A's. There are plenty of places right now in in the in the country that aren't doing well when it comes to uh, coronavirus. So, no, I'm not I'm not confident that the season is going to be able to continue, um, given they they the this this system is pretty flimsy. This non-bubble system is pretty flimsy. Um when you have all these teams traveling from different locations, why the why the Miami Marlins were allowed to play in Florida given the things that we've seen uh is is I don't I don't know. I if, like if the Toronto Blue Jays could relocate, then the Marlins and Rays should have relocated. And I guess look, the Rays haven't had their issues yet, but And maybe there's some issues with the Marlins that we've seen, that we've heard about, that suggest that it's an organizational thing. And look, some of the figures that run the Marlins, you know, I look at them and I say, do I have the utmost confidence in Don Mattingly to handle this? Do I have the utmost confidence in Derek Jeter to handle this? Not necessarily. Um, Versus some of the figures that run some of these other teams. Uh, I'm not saying that those guys aren't going to, you know, put public health first, but we listen to Don Mattingly after the game and him saying, "Yeah, we never once considered not playing." That's that is, I don't know. It's hard to know. yeah, it's hard to put into words how, yeah, how, how yeah, absurd that kind of assertion is. Comprehend? Yeah. So uh, it's it's tough. Um, again, you just hope that these that, that that they can drug along. But as we've seen with the NBA, they probably should have been in a bubble. You know, the NBA hasn't had really any cases uh, since the bubble has been instituted. Major League Soccer hasn't had a case in three weeks. since they, they had an early flare-up of cases that alarmed people and thought made people think the bubble concept couldn't work. But since those initial cases, they haven't had a case in three weeks. So Major League Soccer, the NBA, uh, the National Women's Soccer League finished their season with zero cases. Uh, the bubble concept is 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 foolproof at this point um of course you have to it it was still plenty of time with the nba especially but the bubble concept seems to be something that can work of course you can say in other countries they don't they aren't using a bubble but unfortunately it's they're not it's not a one-for-one comparison right now when it comes to other countries and the united states uh when it comes to coronavirus response so i don't know i mean am i confident no Am I hopeful that the season could continue on some level, at least in the near future? Yes, because there seems to be motivation. And look, we see, we saw a nice weekend of baseball this past weekend. We had a lot of good moments, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of interesting games. Um, it felt normal, but this Marlins thing kind of puts you back in the reality of, oh, yeah, I forgot this is a, a pandemic that we're in. Yeah, and that's what, that's what I was getting to at the top of
0: the show, is that while it was a rocky weekend, considering the Jets, considering the Mets and the Knicks stuff, it was great because it was like, wow, I can't remember the last time I, I was so invested in my teams, like, it just it didn't... I can't remember that that feeling. And to see that um, the situation with the Marlins is already kind of putting that situation in great danger... Is alarming, and of course, you know the the greater danger is the safety of these players that you that, we're, of course, we're very concerned about. Um, yeah, my confidence is very low. Like I, I, I think I've said this on this show, but when I like whenever I, I really assumed that when they were doing all this stuff talking about resuming the season, that it it, it constituted some kind of bubble environment. I couldn't believe, and I, I'm kind of embarrassed to say, I kind of figured out late in the negotiations that like there was going to be no bubble players were going to travel it was just they were going to have certain teams play each other in certain divisions so they wouldn't be as much travel which it just is useless because the virus is everywhere at this point so it doesn't really make sense and what's worse and what's bad is you're going to have people coming into places that maybe aren't as uh you know covet reeled right now like new york for example and you know maybe could that be a source of the virus? You know, I saw Governor Cuomo today say that he was offering to have you know the whole baseball season played in the state of New York. and I I don't know how many baseball you know adequate baseball fields this state of New York has to house major league baseball teams. but part of me does feel like well man if they they did the right thing and kind of tried to put something together, maybe they could have maybe they could have put something together. That could have worked. Um, now you kind of feel like similar to NFL to we'll talk about in a bit that they're kind of just they have no choice, but they kind of fly by the seat of their pants of this specific plan because what else do they have? And when you hear the you know, stories about, oh, maybe they were out in Atlanta or even if they weren't out in Atlanta. OK, but they're in a, a high, you know, high risk location. I mean, Miami is pretty much the epicenter of the virus right now. And the idea that you have teams traveling down there, the Phillies that had voted unanimously that, or not unanimously but but a majority that they were not going to Philly to uh, excuse me to uh, Miami. And I said Phillies, I think it was Washington, the Nationals. We're not going. So you guys figure it out. And of course, you know the league initially immediately pretty much said the Miami Marlins season is suspended for a week at least, and their hope is that by next Wednesday they'll be back on the field playing uh, baseball again against the Phillies, but. This I don't have a lot of confidence when it's not in a bubble, man. Like I just feel like it, it. The bubble kind of. I'm not saying it's perfect because you know I've seen some, some people saying that how are we why are we giving Adam Silver all this credit when you know the NBA is playing in the state with the most coronavirus cases right now, and or at least in the very moment not not total but like right now one of the biggest hotbeds if not the biggest hotbed. Um, you got guys going out to get Magic City wings. Um, we have even you have you know essential workers that are you know traveling in and out of the bubble. Like, there's a lot of questions that have been raised that are fair, and I understand that. So, I'm not gonna you know criticize, I'm not gonna you know say all the NBA has been perfect, but what the bubble atmosphere does kind of put into place, it, it allows the situation where um you have. Everybody under the same circumstances, everybody's staying in the same places. So there isn't going to be the situation where you don't know where guys are, what they're doing. It's just I think it's hard to police a bunch of grown men to say, hey, don't go out. Don't take any unnecessary risks, Don't do anything like it's hard to do that when they're just traveling like a normal team. I think it's way easier when uh, you have them all in one setting. And the rules are all the same for everybody. Especially when you go from state to state, certain certain states are fully open, certain states are not open, certain states are open fully, and they're not even they're dealing with a rising cases, or open mostly, and they're dealing with rising cases. Some places are closed mostly, but there are not a lot of cases. Like when you have that much uncertainty, it's it's like I don't know. It's hard for me to, to believe that this this can work. But I'm remain hopeful. You know, I I like. Unlike, you know, some people say, oh, you know, you can't say that stuff because it's like you're wishing for it to happen. I'm not wishing for any of this to happen. I want nobody to get coronavirus. This joint is very scary and it could have lasting impacts. So I'm not wishing coronavirus on any league or any person. Uh, What I will say is um, I am, you know, hopeful and I'm just I just hope that this does works out okay, just for the sake of these players and for the country. Because, of course, we want to see these guys play, but we don't want to see them at the expense of
1: their health. And which is what it feels like right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like. It's I mean, at this point, it's too late to, to institute any type of bubble thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's over. I don't think you can do that. Yeah. yeah you, if you can't, it's and that's the concern is that if does it get to a point where, I mean, do they delay the season if things get really bad, or do they just shut it down? I don't know, man. Um, I mean, I feel like Major League Baseball... This is Rob Manfred's, like... It's funny, because we thought that rock bottom for Rob Manfred was if there was no season. And the idea of, like, the money being the issue, and, like, if he doesn't get that through, like... That was going to be his defining moment, and that'd probably be the last we we saw Rob Manfred as commissioner. And we thought once the deal got done, all right, Manfred, you're safe, you got the deal done. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how things go. I didn't even consider the idea that his his return to baseball plan was going to be so flimsy that they couldn't get they couldn't go two weeks without things flaring up. To the point where teams and possibly the whole league may have to shut down. If that happens, I think we've seen the last of Rob Manfred as commissioner of, the, of baseball. I mean, I told you earlier this year that I thought that
0: there was a great chance he wouldn't be commissioner next season. Yeah, I don't know. Now the COVID thing complicates everything. This was during like the minor league stuff. I think we were talking about it. I said he ain't gonna be commissioner by next year. Um, and I've said that repeatedly. But this COVID thing's so bad, it's like okay, if you get rid of him. Who's jumping up to take that job right now? <laughs> like, it's, it's right. very challenging. Um, so he may, stick, stick, if he stakes it out, it could very be only very well be only because we are in a pandemic. But I, I think, I, I do feel like, uh, I don't know what his future holds. Because when I heard yesterday that, again, there was no consideration at all about suspending the season. That told me that the people making the decisions probably should not be the people making the decisions. That that doesn't come up. I'm not saying that that's a decision you come to, that's a decision that you make, but that that wasn't something that you would look back and say, okay, are we in a better position to say, nobody play for a week, and let's come back in a week and see where things are, and maybe we try to replay those games towards the end of the season. The fact that that didn't happen, like, Rudy, the NBA had one case, Rudy Gobert. Shut down the whole league, shut down the whole sports world. Yep. Here, I mean, COVID is just as I mean, I guess our argument because they well, you know, there's therapeutics that people aren't dying as much now, but it also seems like not as many old people are getting it, so it's like I don't know how much it is uh, our treatment of it. But nonetheless, uh, there's argument maybe to say, okay, maybe it's not as deadly as it was initially, but it's still very serious. So the idea that you're just like, oh well, you know, if you get it, you get it, like that—that that seems to be the attitude,
1: and that's really scary, you know. Yeah. Especially like the NBA kinda has that attitude, but it's of the mindset that like, yeah, but like almost none of our guys are actually going to get it. If this if we do it the right way in this bubble. Major League Baseball, I think they, they they know guys are gonna get it all over the place. Like if this the guys are gonna drop like flies, um when it comes to having to shut down because of coronavirus. So and that's that's a, that's an unfortunate truth, and that's why David Price didn't play. He was like, I didn't trust the the health aspect of this thing, and that's why I'm not playing. And he's kind of been very much like an I told you so situation after seeing what's happening with the Marlins. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, other 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 than what we've seen from the Marlins, I think this is they've done a good job with this baseball reset. It's it's been It's felt like baseball. It's felt like the season. Obviously, there have been some moments where, you know, guys clearly didn't didn't seem, you know, ready. Certain guys haven't uh, performed at the level that we expected them. We've seen guys get hurt in these first couple games. But for the most part, that was a fun weekend of baseball.
0: Yeah, I have too. I mean, I think that um, it's been great to have baseball back. Yeah. what what has there been a team or a player that you've looked at so far that's been
1: that's really caught your eye? Um, obviously, again, it was it was it was unfortunate to see uh, Shohei Ohtani struggle as much as he did against the Oakland A's on uh, his debut, um, his return really as a pitcher in over two years. You'd think that you you'd think that that's more so rehab related than it is like just regular COVID rust. Um. So hopefully he can kind of they can fix whatever issues he had. Uh, he had a lot of issues, but um, in terms of teams that have been impressive, I mean, look, the Orioles are in first place in the AL East. Uh, at least they were uh, by the end of the weekend. You know the the Marlins were playing well. You know before everything got shut down, it's been topsy-turvy, as we expected. I mean the Giants split with the with the la dodgers vintage uh vintage dodgers um i don't know i think it's been and i've been very impressed by the atlanta braves i know it's one series but uh dan P. swanson uh who was the number one pick in the draft uh pretty long while ago it was five six seven years ago uh from the arizona diamondbacks kind of been yeah mets couldn't get him out this weekend yeah, yeah, he's been kind of underwhelming, pretty much his entire career, but especially since he's been been in Atlanta. But uh, this is really the Dansby Swanson that we saw at Vanderbilt that people were comparing to. He's comparing, you beginning to compare to Derek Jeter coming out of college. So um, we'll see if he's able to keep it up. If he has a chance to keep it up, we'll see. But um, yeah, I mean, he's looked impressive, and for the most part things have been as wild as we expected.
0: Well, what I will say is um, uh, DeGrom was great on opening day for the Mets. But boy, Edwin Diaz thing is scary if you're a Mets fan. <laughs> you know, I mean, he first, the first, it's funny, the first game of the season, you know, one run kind of game. And he closed the door and people are like, oh, look, Diaz closed the door, one run game, held the lead, only gave up one, uh, one base runner. But, he gave up some long fly balls that were foul, and I thought a lot of people were kind of glossing over that. Like Freeman hit one on the button that was that he pulled foul, and someone else hit one deep foul, and I was just like, Jesus, that was a little scary. Then you see him go to uh, Saturday, and you know he's down to his last strike, and for every reason that home run ball continues to be his bugaboo, was going to take some deep, and. If you're a Mets fan, how many? If you're, if you're the Mets, if you're Luis Rojas, how many of the more of those games can you take? Because you're at a position where it's a sixty game season. Like the Mets should have won that series, and where was just batting practice the next day, so the series was over. You know, pretty much in the first second inning of that third game on Sunday Night Baseball. But I, like, how many more blown saves are you going to allow? Like the Mets have some options now. You have Seth Lugo. You have Dylan Patantis. Familia did not look great yesterday in Boston, but he, he is there. So you have, to me, three guys that you could try if this thing continues to can to not work out. How much rope do you give him? Like, they can't mess around. They can't, you know, say, okay, well, I hope, you know, maybe three or four blown saves later, he's kind of, he figures it out after what happened last season. I don't know how much
1: more you can do, Kendall. Yeah, um... Yeah, certainly alarming. That's And that's what's fascinating about the season is that each game matters so much more than it normally did. Like, the Dodgers splitting, you know, with the Giants is no small thing. <laughs> you know, like, that could be, that could wind up being a major difference whether or not they win the NLS or not. Um, so those, those types of things are, are certainly interesting. And as a Giants fan, I have to say that it's Gabe Kapler as a manager, fascinating. You know, I could see why Philly fans did not like his act. You know, his his mad scientist gimmick is not something that that could work in in Philadelphia, as we saw with Sam Hinkie. But um, it's not something that could work in Philadelphia. But in San Francisco, managing a team that has zero, little to no expectations, um, he has full autonomy to do some crazy stuff. In regards to the bullpen and certain substitutions and things of that nature, and it completely wrecked us in that opening day game <laughs> because our our bullpen imploded. But it's been interesting to see. I mean, he's been managing rings around, or he managed rings around Dave Dave Robertson that first series. Um, so I, you know, I think it's a great fit. I can see why Farhan Zaidi and the Giants front office. Um, you know, anxiety coming from Oakland being part of that Billy Bean tree. I can see why he uh, would like a guy like Gabe Kapler, but it's been fascinating to watch, and you see why Philadelphia fans did not like him. But
0: oh yeah, a lot of a lot of
1: interesting things
0: this this uh, this opening week. And boy, if, o- you're, if you're a Yankee fan, you also you gotta love to see Stan, smash, Stan smashing the ball way he's hitting right now. Yeah, man, just hitting bombs. Yeah, I mean. We, we know what kind of lineup they potentially have if Judge and Stan are healthy to see him get off to this hot start so quickly and be just hitting just moonshots <laughs> right now. Um, it's got to be exciting. If you're a Yankee fan, if you're a Yankees. So um, this COVID thing is obviously very scary. We'll keep our eye on it, but it is good to have baseball back, man. It was good to turn on the TV and see some live action that meant something. You know, it wasn't Korean baseball. No disrespect to the KBO. That's just not. I'm, I don't. I had no interest in Korean baseball. I watched like two, one inning. I don't even know what the whole inning it might have been like. Point two innings, and I, and I was like, I had enough. I'm not watching any more of this.
1: I watched a couple games.
0: <laughs> I, I, I could not. It's not. It's not the best athletes in the world at this sport playing. It's like it's the reason why I don't watch the MLS. I know they they're playing, and I'm, I'm awesome that they've been. Yeah, able to.
1: One, one minute. But the MLS thing was, is is awful because like. Premier League soccer is happening. So, they, they botched Right, yeah. <laughs> they botched the return. There's nothing they could have done, obviously, the United States was a mess, but, like, they botched the, their moment because Premier League soccer is shut down. Like, that was their time to be, like, the KBO and be like, yeah. Yeah. Better play
0: before everyone else, but... It's like you're so desperate to watch any kind of soccer that you'll you'll turn on, turn on the MLS. Yeah, you turn on
1: the MLS, but I'm not going to do that when Chelsea's playing Manchester United <laughs> on NBC. Exactly. You know, so...
0: It it's we're, it's 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 been good, you know, to have some sports back. We'll see how long we get it. Let's transition now to the NBA. So we are just days away from the start of the NBA season. We've had about a week of scrimmages scrimmage games already underway inside the Orlando bubble. The Lakers uh two new additions, J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters. They look sharp, though Anthony Davis is day to day after being poked in the eye. The Clippers are already faced some bubble controversy with Guard Lou Williams being forced back into a 10-day bubble, after a 10-day quarantine, rather, after he was pictured ordering food and engaging with patrons at an Atlanta strip club, Magic City, uh, while on an excused absence from the bubble. And the legend of Bo Bo, man. Uh, The Denver rookie is averaging 15 points in these scrimmages. Some of his shot blocking, some of his long-distance bombs have turned turned him into the latest internet basketball sensation. So, Kendall, what has been your biggest takeaway from the bubble so far? And how do you uh, you forecast uh, the rest of this season that resumes in a couple of days?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think anyone's biggest takeaway from just a complete like from from a league standpoint, a bubble standpoint, has to be the fact that, again, there have been no apparently no cases. Positive cases from anyone inside the bubble uh, since they've gotten in. And that is extremely, extremely encouraging. And it's been a while now. It's been what two weeks, I think around. Yeah, yeah, about two weeks. It's been about two weeks, and no cases. You know, I'm. It's starting to get to the point where I'm like, all right. I think we may have. Again, obviously, it only takes one to become five to become fifteen. But we may have a situation where we have a playoffs that is like the playoffs. It's not going to be like the playoffs from a home road standpoint, obviously every game is going to be neutral site. It's almost going to be more like an NCAA tournament in that regard, but it's going to be like the playoffs in terms of players are all going to be out there. Injuries may still occur and things may still be slanted because of injuries like we saw last year in the final. But but in terms of like guys just leaving because they have to quarantine because of coronavirus, that seems like that won't be as big of a storyline as we thought it would be a month ago. And that's encouraging, you know, and that would make it one. I, I I think on some level, I think the whole idea of this being like the most impressive championship doesn't really matter. You know, like that's not like I mean, it matters, but it's not that's not going to be a thing because, while yes, in the idea of them having to, you know, be in a bubble, quote unquote, for months to win a championship is impressive. I don't think it's necessarily more impressive than some other championships that we've seen in years past, um, and but then at the same at the same time, I also don't think that it would have nearly the asterisk, nearly the asterisk that you know you thought it would be um, when we had these discussions over the last couple of months, because it seems like guys are all going to be there. Of course, again, still going to be some differences, but at the end of the day. The best players you think will still be the best. I think there's going to be more parity in this bubble than we've ever seen in NBA history. Whatever that means, why that's the case, I don't know. But at least watching these scrimmage games, it does seem like I have a theory on that, by the way. Right, and well, yeah, I'll, I'll let you give your theory one second. But but my one thing is that like I feel like when you watch these scrimmage games, outside of like the the Nets. And the Wizards and the Magic, like those kinds of teams. Every team that's in shape and it thinks they're gonna be in the playoffs, they look they look legit. And I don't know if that means that they're gonna win a championship. But could a team like Portland beat the Lakers? Could a team like Dallas beat the Lakers in a playoff series? One hundred percent. So Milwaukee still seems like a team that's gonna be tough to beat. But the Pelicans beat them last game. But I mean, I mean obviously it's a scrimmage, but like Giannis had thirty points. But there seems to be a lot of parity, so this could be a very topsy-turvy uh, postseason if you're trying to predict who's going to win each matchup. But what's your theory on why there's been so much parity? I think the reason why there's, you're seeing—because I agree. It
0: looks like every game, it doesn't seem like there's nearly as much separation. Now, there are scrimmages, and you know, do you, will you see teams kind of turn up another notch to better teams when we get to the playoffs? I surmise we will. But here's my theory. I think this season, like, I, and I said it before, like whatever happened before this bubble started or this pandemic started is almost erased. Like it doesn't matter. Like I know right. the records are the same, and the seeding will be based on what happened before. But this is pretty much a new season. It's like an off season, yeah. And the reason why I say that, and you just kind of alluded to the reason why I say that, is because right now, remember, we're in late July at this point. Some, some a lot of these teams, right, now you're talking about, and really, this, some of these will be over at this point. Exactly. So right now you'd have some of these players you'd be seeing, you'd be seeing them second year playing in the summer league or for the teams that, you know, teams Tina didn't make the playoffs or teams that, you know, maybe got knocked out early or even knocked out in the second round. That's still a, a may exit. You're looking at guys that, that would have had their, their basketball workouts two months into their off season now playing basketball again. I think that you're seeing some players some some players taking leaps that we didn't expect. Again, the bo Bull Bull, uh, you know, thing. I mean, I, I'm not saying that Bo-Bo couldn't have maybe done more if he was more healthy earlier. But, I mean, to me, this is clearly a guy that's been developing. And, you know, we probably would have seen him in the summer league and been like, yo, man, Bo-Bo is yeah. going to take over the league. Yeah. We're like, just well, seeing. Bo-Bo Bull Bull
1: in a normal season isn't getting any minutes.
0: Right. Right. But because now this is almost, we're, this is his second year. This is yeah. the second year, you know what I'm saying, and I'm watching John ja Morant just just obliterate the Miami Heat today. Just, I mean, yeah. he, he was by far the best player on the court, and Ja had a, has had a great rookie year. But he, they haven't been a lot of games like that where he's been the best player on the court when they got other a team that has two other two All Stars on the end. I know, you know, like like that's that hasn't been an often occasion. But that he looked by far the best player today, yeah. and that to me is this is Ja in year two. This is year You're two right. job. Like, we can talk about rookie year and what all that stuff is thrown out. And so, so we, those
1: teams that are those, those teams that we looked at, and maybe say, Oh, they're a year or two year away. away. This player's oh, a year there. away. Right. You're seeing closer than we thought
0: they would be. Exactly. You're seeing some so of these players exactly. take a step up. You know, right. even people talk about how Luca looks like extra sharp. And I'm like, This is year three Luca. <laughs> like, this is whatever Luca was going to be to start this season, this new season in 2021. This is what we would have seen, right. you know. what I'm saying this is him with an off season, maybe just a shorter off season, but but it really isn't even shorter because if you're talking about March to July, that's a full off season. Yeah, because the season you know what I mean, ends in June. Yeah, if you're a team training camp like, starts like, up in September, late very late September. So it's about the same. Is that's a, that's pretty much the same time period for a full off season. So that's why this thing is going to be such a crapshoot. I agree. I think that. While wow, I kind of came in thinking, oh, it would kind of still probably be, you know, business as usual in terms of the teams that can win it all. And to some degree, I think it still is. Yeah, in a championship, I still think it's right. a
1: narrow list. Right, I of, think it's I Lakers,
0: think. Clippers, Bucks. I throw the Raptors in there in this weird bubble environment. Um, Someone could talk me into a third Western Conference team being, you know, the Rockets. Yeah, I'll say okay, the Celtics, but... Um, and I would – the bubble environment, I absolutely – we talked about that already. i put the Celtics probably in that class as well. But regardless, it's, it's probably no more than six teams. Like, six teams is probably pushing it once you get to six. Like, I. Th- but I do think the idea of what teams can make noise and win a round or even two, that number has expanded. That number right. has expanded. That is That number has expanded to teams that were outside the playoff picture. You <laughs> know, I think teams like yeah. Portland and teams like New Orleans – like now they're – could they win around. if they get the right matchup or or the Lakers don't come out, if it is the Lakers and they don't come out, you know, playing the way they're supposed to? Could they slip up? I told you during the season. I thought that – I still think that Portland is a bad matchup for the Lakers. Not that they would beat them, but I still don't know who guards Dame Lillard. And I, and I have less confidence that they'd be able to stop him and now I, without I, Rondo.
1: Why I think we've seen this bubble – Also feel a lot of parity. I think the neutral site thing is also is also a major major thing. That's maybe goes back to the aster thing, but the the neutral site thing is no small thing. It's no small uh, change. I think a lot of these, especially like the superstar guys and the great teams, I think they get a lot of energy from playing at home, and or even sometimes even if you're playing on the road and you have that crowd against you and the moment is there. And maybe, like, we'll feel that when we get to the playoffs again. Maybe once LeBron's back is on the wall, he'll turn back into Super LeBron where he gets these scores 45, uh, like he did in Game (laughs) 6 against the Celtics in 2012. But you do kind of feel like there's a little bit of a lull right now because, guys, everybody's kind of playing in the same environment, kind of feels very summer league-ish, very TBT-ish. And because of that, I don't know if guys right now are playing with the intensity, again, scrimmage games. But we'll see come Thursday whether or not guys are playing with a different level of intensity because it's the regular season. I think there will be some intensity, but I still think it's going to feel like, wow, like oh, these teams are pretty close in in competitiveness, close in uh, ability to win. and I, And th- that's going to be fascinating. You know, there's, and also I think there's still because there's still more parity in the league. Like I think if Golden State, like if, if this bubble situation was a thing last year or two years ago, like Golden State still would have been running teams out the gym, of course. Yeah. But because there's more parity in general, there aren't really any teams where you look at and say, "Oh yeah, this team's got they they, they win the game when they step on the court." Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't exist. Right. Most of these teams all have. Probably two all these all the playoff teams have two really good players. Even the teams that aren't in the play. like you said, Phoenix. If you have Aiden and Booker, you can pretty much go up against anybody. Right. Especially the way O Aiden has looked since he came back from the suspension. Aiden and Booker is good enough to beat any any team in the league on any given night in terms of a one-two punch. Now they're not going to beat L. A. in a playoff series either. L. A. team in a playoff series. But for one night, could they look just as good as LeBron and A D or Kawhi and Paul George? Sure. Like and that goes for a lot of teams that around the league that are in the bubble. And on that level, you kinda say to yourself, I'm glad they didn't add those other eight teams because there are some teams in this bubble that have no business being there. Like the Nets are gonna I don't know if the Nets are gonna win a game in this bubble. This this this
0: this one the one thing I know for sure is this absolutely should have been top 16 teams in the playoffs. Like really? watching this, yeah. Yeah. Cuz the Nets and the Magic and the Wizards, like they're a waste of time. Like they're a complete waste that it's not good television. They have no chance. <laughs> why, are those people, are why are those teams? Why those teams there? What? Like just give me the best teams at this point. So you're saying the top 16
1: regardless of conference?
0: Yes. Now okay. Yeah, my, my thing is, and if you wanted to have the regular season still, so like, first of all, I, I think they should have just went to the playoffs. But let's say you wanted to have this little regular season. Okay, you add them, that's fine. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't have to watch those two teams, those two of those three teams in the playoffs. No way. They they yeah. should they should have let those teams play in this bubble, but yeah. said, hey, now it's record. So yeah. these Western Conference teams that y'all weren't worried about, now y'all got to outplay them. And they, they wouldn't have made it. Maybe one of them would have
1: made it. But that yeah. would have been enough. I I, I I like. I'm watching. I think this. they could have done the. I think they could have done the World Cup style as well. That would have been hectic. I think we would have seen some major major upsets and stuff. But that would have been like very interesting. That would have be been cool. <laughs> they, they would have done the group stage thing. But I think that that would have really made some concerns of like you know like will the Lakers even get out or like will certain teams even get out? Good. Good. That's that's. I know. I mean, you know,
0: you don't want unknown teams or teams that have no following in the finals but the better the intrigue the better the ratings like i was just watching um lebron you know shout out to him i mean he has so many great performances you sometimes forget them like i saw a clip today on instagram it was like lebron's game seven against indiana and it made me and you know he had 45 you know, he shot like seventy. In the Cleveland field. or in Cleveland, this in Miami. this, yeah, in this Cleveland, was Cleveland yeah, first round against uh, against Old yeah, Depot. Old Depot. Yeah, right. yeah, I remember that. I was and thinking about that series early today as well. And I'm so watching this. I'm watching highlights. I'm like, well, first of all, I'm like, just LeBron's killing these guys. And this, but it's a good game. It's a close game. And I'm like, this was great for television. This was great for the league. This was great television. You couldn't tell me yeah. that this would have been better if LeBron would have swept this team. No, it was great that you got to see him back against the wall. Okay, what's he gonna do? And he puts on this classic performance. That was good television. I don't think just letting Giannis just you know waltz into the second round and letting the Raptors waltz into the second round is good for the league. Not when again we're in this pandemic situation where you could shake things up. I, I I totally think this was absolutely the opportunity to say no, we're going. And especially when with no travel, no you don't like you're not worried about all oh, teams like I travel across the coast play each other. There's no concern about that. Oh yeah, this this was no brainer. You should they should have got rid of the, the the eight east eight in the east and eight in the west. They should have just gone all sixteen and just see them that way. One yeah, the Bucks might sweep the magic in the first round. I don't even well, know if there's a might in there. That I, I that seems inevitable. And the the nets are getting swept. I'm telling you right, they're not winning a game. Are they, what what uh, the Nets! What the Nets are a seven seed. They're the seven seed, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Like that's just going to be very non-competitive basketball that nobody I wants to make see.
1: The I, I think Washington's going to make it,
0: but they got too many games on them. Like Washington is not that close in the standings. Or, but that's that's why they have I know to
1: get that thing. Right, like, but the Nets Washington the nine. But the Nets and, would have to they and I look, they're bad. But yo, the Magic one and eight. In the nine games or however many games there are left, then I don't know, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's Bradley Beal's in the bubble, right? I haven't watched any of the Wizards. Yeah. So I wouldn't. He, he he's not there.
1: <laughs> so nope. tons, no Hans no. That's what I to say. So
0: why am I watching the Wizards in the first
1: round? Like you can see. Well, see, I have a theory on the Wizards, and Forbes back to my theory. I said this a while ago, but my theory on the only reason the Wizards are there, I think I may have said this on the show. It's just like with the Pelicans with Zion, they want Rui in the playoffs, or at least in the bubble. Whether or not they made the playoffs or not, they don't care. But they want Rui in the bubble because of the Japanese market. And Forbes wrote an article mm-hmm. like last week talking about how the Japanese, you know, Rui being in the bubble is has been important for the NBA uh, because of the Japanese market, and they expect that Japan is going to be very uh, tuned in to what happens with the Wizards and. It makes, it makes sense from a business standpoint, but again, basketball reasons. Like, I think that's, the, I think that's one of the major reasons they didn't even go with the 20-team model. Because what's the difference? Zion still would have been in the 20-team model. It was the 22-team model that they were like, oh, now we get Washington in there as well. And it was like, what? We get Washington and Phoenix? <laughs> Who wants Washington and Phoenix? But part of it, some of it was we want to keep things kind of normal. But the other part was, look, I mean, Washington, we get Rui. The Japanese market's going to blow up. Uh, in terms of views, it's not going to make for good basketball. But I don't know that that seven seed, that two seed rather in the Eastern Conference right now, it's the, the Raptors. You expect the Raptors to hold on to it, but that's no small thing. That's that's yeah,
0: I mean, it's three games between Boston and Toronto,
1: right? So I mean, you, you Toronto's better hold on to that man because yeah, because they don't they don't know. want
0: to face they don't have to face Philly or Indiana. Yeah, India. You know Sabonis is out, and we don't know how long yeah. he'll be out. Old Depot looks sharp. Yeah, Old Depot. I mean, he looks because he had, he did not look good in the regular season.
1: Yeah, he did not look good in the regular. season. But
0: again, it's the same thing I was talking about. The regular yeah. season that that none of that stuff matters. <laughs> this is yeah. a new season, so you need to take what you see in these scrimmage games and you know take them with a grain of salt because the scrimmage some guys aren't playing hard. But the guys that look really good, yeah, take that seriously. Like yeah, take ball ball seriously. Because this is year two, he would be getting burned in the rotation. In year two, this is what this is. So, and I don't know what that means for the older players. I don't, you know, they, they got a lot of rest, so maybe they won't look. Maybe that will help them, but you know, does does a year more days on their life? Does that mean that they look a step slower? Is that is that closer to you know their eventual end? Like to some of these older teams, like the Lakers, like the Clippers. Do they maybe not look as sharp because they have so many veterans? The Rockets, like, I don't know. I think this is. I think this is going to be super fascinating. Of course, the most important thing is that right now, great to have no case, no big cases, um, but no any, no cases. Period. I'm very about outbreaks, no cases at all of yeah. coronavirus. Um, the Lou Williams than Kendall, real quickly. Uh, what did you say? I was like, no, no, cool head, boneheaded yeah. decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no doubt about that. I mean, shout out to Lou Will. We love his game. Uh, we love kind of just his vibe as a person. Like he just seems like a cool dude. But uh this was bad. This was bad. This was there was no excuse for it. I know he went to see. uh You know, it was a it was a funeral of a very close family friend that he left the bubble, and that's. A, I think that's absolutely. They um, was great grandfather- was it his grandfather? Because I, yes. I know I know he, he said the guy's name was Williams, but then I saw someone else who knew him was like, you know, the homie came to see off my father. And I was just like, all right, well, maybe it's not related to Louis Williams. Maybe he just has the last name Williams. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. it was someone very <laughs> close to him that passed away. And, of course, he went to see a funeral. I, I totally think that that's an appropriate excuse to leave. Um, bad decision-making, obviously, to go to, you know, a place where – you know social distancing is hard social distancing is hard and not only social distancing but you're patronizing with the people and that just wasn't wasn't a smart decision you know and it's, and, and it's a bad look like you know I like I'm not going to sit here and, and espouse 15 minutes about how good or bad the wings are at Magic City I, I'm not going to do that I think the fact, I don't care. That, the fact that we've had that that we've had seen people taking that much time to talk about it First of all, it's great, great promo for Magic City. I'm sure Magic City is rolling in the dough this week because of oh, this whole situation. But, man, like, it's just bad luck. You know what I'm saying? Like, at the end of the day, like, you you do represent the league. There's a lot at stake. And you, on an excused absence for a, a legitimate death in your family or someone very close to you, you're out at Magic City Get wings. You gotta have a little more perspective than that. You gotta understand that. But the only reason why I, I bring that story up because we both agree that it was just a bad decision. I, I am. I I told you this last night. and I'm saying on the show. I think that after seeing this Marlins thing, I don't think the NBA should be letting anybody leave the bubble and come back. I think this has got to be like they're in Disney World, and just like in Disney World, where they when you leave, they say when you leave, your ticket will not be admitted back when you come if you try to come back in. That needs to be the situation with the bubble. There needs to be no more excused or unexcused absences. If you leave that campus, you cannot come back. And that sounds draconian and it yeah. sounds harsh. But look, man, there's too much at stake. Because you already said it earlier in this show. One case most of the time becomes five. Five most of the time becomes 15. 15 most of the time, multiple times most of the time becomes massive outbreak. You can't. Yeah that there's too many millions of dollars at stake. There's too many lives at stake. And I, and I feel bad I said of dollars for lives. But both of them are at stake. And you cannot afford that when people go out into the the, the, the real world, because, you know, those guys are living in their, again, their own, their own situation, that you're just going to trust that they're going to just take every precaution, every step necessary to make sure that nothing, you know, uh, that nothing goes wrong. Obviously, they have a lot of testing. They get tested before they come in. But... With all testing, nothing is f- completely foolproof. You could have a false negative. Guy gets in, and actually he does have it, and now he's spreading it to people. It's too much. It's too much of a risk. That Lou Williams thing should have taught them a lesson, because maybe it wasn't that. It wasn't. He didn't try to harm nobody. He didn't kill nobody. Going to get food at a strip club. But at the end of the day, we can't have this anymore. If you're gonna leave, that's all perfectly fine. We understand it. We respect your decision you cannot come back your season is over if you leave this campus i think if they're serious, if they're truly serious about up keeping the best safety precautions that would be the situation you, you can we've had too many guys just leaving ever since they got there and it's like and i'm not saying they're not for good reasons all the reasons i've heard so far seem to be good but it, it, regardless of whether good or bad it's just too much of a risk at this point and it's unfair to the players that are are staying there, who may want to leave for whatever reason, and that they can't because they're not going to get the clearance, or, um, or they may have to do a longer quarantine if it's not excused. Like that, it's it's just not it's uh it's uh it's just not right. They, they they to make it fair, they should just not let anybody else do it. But I see you you're, you're not in the same
1: thought process. Nah, yet. I mean, Lou Williams thing is unfortunate. Um, I think they should do a better job of. I don't want to say surveilling, but like just monitoring guys when they're not in the bubble. If they plan on coming back, there should be a team official that goes with the player um, to make sure. I can that, live with that. Yeah, that to make sure that they're not they're 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 doing maybe they're making a safe decisions to make sure that if they if they're going for a certain thing, a security detail even to make sure if they're going for a certain thing, that's where they're going for. They're going to they're, you know. Because their wife's pregnant, and they're about to have a kid. They're going to the hospital. They're going to their house, and they're going straight to the airport. Like, there's no, there's no idea. Oh yeah, I'm gonna take a pit stop to a strip club. Like, that's that can't happen. The only reason that happened is I assume Lou Williams didn't have some sort of people. He didn't have security with him. He was just, I mean, maybe he did. But if that's if that's the case, then there are a lot of people that have screwed up here, not just Lou Williams. So, um, because like I don't think that this Lou Williams thing comes out. If that picture isn't taken and that's what's the scariest part about this which is why I see your concern because if Jack Harlow doesn't the rapper doesn't post that picture of Lou Williams, we may never know about this and this isn't to say that anyone else in the league would make the decision Lou Williams did but Who's used to say that we don't know what Zion did when he wasn't there. We don't know what Montres Harrell is doing, not in the bubble. Austin Rivers, Patrick Beverly, what he did when he wasn't in the bubble. We know that when these guys come back, they've all tested negative. So that's positive. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. But we all know that <laughs> tested negative. So that's a good thing. But if – I mean, Lou Williams, I, I would assume, is tested negative. And, and, but we would have never known that he made – what seemingly a poor decision by going to a strip club um, during a pandemic, we would have never known that. So that's the concerning part. So that's why I say you need to have some sort of security detail. But it's it's a little it goes a little too far, and that's where we go back to the whole conversation of like, look, this bubble thing is already pushing the boundaries of like, you know, what's safe. yeah, what's safe and what's like just humane, of like yeah. what, you know, we can't have these players like feel like they're just like. It, Locked up, you know, in a basketball prison. You can't leave if you LeBron, leave, Yeah, you Lebron leave, said he thought he was doing a bid. Yo, those guys were saying that, I think Lily said the same thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's relax. You want to do? It. Let's, let's, let's relax. But, but you can't. But like, if you if you have guys saying, because now you have guys having to make the con- the decision, do I leave if my if if my wife is having a kid? In the case of Mike Conley, Gordon Hayward, you know, somebody gets really sick and I have to leave. I can't come back. Do I stay and just communicate over the phone or do I just do or do I leave? And that's that's forcing guys to make decisions that are. Are unnecessary if there are safe ways to go about it other in other capacities. And you can't do you can't force other guys not to do it because one one guy made the poor decision. You know, like I do think there are there should be ways in which there's a middle ground where you can just make sure guys don't make that decision. I just yep. feel like if you're telling me that
0: the the only way to do make this work is for everybody to stay in a bubble, I don't see how it makes any sense that allowing people to spend days away in the regular world where coronavirus is rampant makes those players safe. I don't I can't I don't see the logical case for that. I'm not saying that they can't take good precautions while they're gone. I don't live in a bubble, but I tried to take the best precautions I could. Um, excuse me, while I was, uh, you know, living during the the the, the, the absolute hell that it was in New York City during the height of coronavirus. But I don't think that it was it's, it. would be fair to be like you guys are all? You cannot leave because this is the only way it has to be. But we're gonna let other guys compromise that by spending days on end and places, some places maybe good in terms of the response to COVID. Some places just a catastrophe. Um, I don't think it makes sense to say that this is the only way we can do this, but yet we're still allowing people to leave and come back. I don't, I don't see the logical sense in that. And I I know, I I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Like I know how that looks. I know how that's going to make the players feel. I know how difficult that's going to be, but Again, if we're really talking about what is going to give us the best chance of letting the season go on, because first of all, to be clear, I'm pro nobody playing any sports. That's That was my stance early on this whole thing. So I want to preface by saying that I wouldn't do any of this stuff. But if you're telling me, OK, we've set up a parameter that we believe are the only way to make it safe, I don't see how letting people leave to go into the world that you're you've already deemed to be not safe enough to allow the player to live their normal lives, why you're letting them
1: do it? The only the I only question that. that I would have is I do feel like the idea of like, yeah, if you have an unexcused if you leave for an unexcused absence, that's ten days. If you leave for an excused absence, that's four. I don't, get that. The, I don't get that either. But like, I I see the difference, but like again, Zion leaves for a family emergency How do you know he wasn't mingling with 20 people? You know, like if someone goes to a funeral and the funeral has 30 people, I mean, that's beyond not safe in today's day and age. That's that's certainly not as safe as Rashawn Holmes crossing the border, the bubble border to get uh, Grubhub you know like and so why I, I get the logic of like you know obviously if you do something that you're not supposed to do you get a stiffer penalty than us seeing the approved thing but like a quarantine that that feels like kind of inhumane though that
0: because you did what we told you not to do now you gotta stay in your room for 10, ten days like that's like doesn't that that seems a little that seems off to me I don't see how that could, should
1: be allowed oh that now that's that that goes back to the thing of like look I mean public health you know, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. But but I, but
0: like you made the point though that what's the difference between a guy going to a spot that you didn't approve and someone else going to a funeral with people? Like right. I don't I don't or them just doing things you don't know about. Like you don't know. Like again, we yeah, it, it seemed to be it seemed to be clear that they didn't know Lou Williams did this until it was on social media. So he is. was on an excused absence. So yeah. if that's the case. I don't see what the difference is. Honestly, I think more players in the NBA should have been public about the Lou Williams thing being unacceptable. I think unfortunately, the 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 no snitching culture culture is of course with these NBA players. A lot of them
1: are John Moran already said it. John Moran, like, I ain't gonna be snitching on nobody. Of course Which, not. All right, I get it. That's that's Chris Paul ain't gonna say that. <laughs> the Chris Paul meme. Be nice to Chris Paul. Paul. Shout out to not Chris Paul. To Paul as soon part of me is like again, like where does this come from it's like Chris Paul is like some snitch but again people think that he's like this this sleeper cell for the NBA for the owners the
0: jokes are funny but shout out to Chris man I, I feel bad he's been getting dragged with the, those jokes um, even
1: LeBron <laughs> I mean the, yeah LeBron on Kawhi. well I
0: feel like LeBron is different like LeBron is just like this craving attempt to just ensure he wins a championship which I can yeah. kind of live with those jokes because it doesn't it's not the, the there isn't, like, the implication that he's a snitch, per se. It's more of just, like, I will do anything to get my fourth, my, what is this, fourth ring you get? Yeah. Yeah. I'll get my fourth ring, and I will, it doesn't matter what it takes, I'm going to do it. And, like, it kind of, to me, it kind of makes it, it's kind of an endearing meme for me when I see those memes. The Chris Paul ones feel a lot weirder. Like, I feel much worse for him when I see those. I'm like, oh, Because nobody thinks he's trying, ch- he's really gonna win a championship nobody thinks he thinks nobody thinks that he thinks he's gonna win a championship (laughs) so it's purely just like i'm just out to get guys and i'm just like uh chris is a legend do you gotta do that to him like this i i I, again shout out to chris paul i i feel bad for those uh those 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 uh, memes that were going around but yeah i know look i'm not saying what i'm proposing is not draconian i know that it is i'm just my only thing is these rules seem very inconsistent
1: none of it a lot of it doesn't make a lot of sense and this goes back to what joel and beat said joel and beat was like look i know i'm gonna do the right thing but i don't think other guys will you know and of course yeah. other guys won't regular people aren't like the like
0: the nba just like any any job is a microcosm of just society as a whole the country as a whole so just like you know certain and then maybe even the demographic as a whole so just like there are a lot of people doing the right thing, wearing masks, social distancing, whatever, a lot of people not doing it. You know, like it's. it's way it's, Howard
1: already said, "I, I, don't, why do I gotta wear a mask?" Yeah, he thinks
0: that masks don't don't do anything. Yeah, he He's an anti-vaxxer. So like, there are anti-vaxxers and people who don't believe in masks in the U.S. So it's, it's just, it's just a smaller version of what of the hundreds of millions of people that are here. You just put that. In a microcosm, put that in the league. So you're gonna have plenty of people doing the right thing. You got some people doing the wrong thing. Uh, we can only hope for their sakes that they all try to do the right thing for as long as they can, and that this whole thing uh, works out. But happy to have that ball back, Kendall. Uh, real quickly, who are you handicapping as the favorite to win it all in this? After watching these scrimmage games,
1: uh, I would, if we're if we're really talking championship. I'll have to see what you guys look like in regular season games. Um, mm. You know, it's like watching taking the NFL cop preseason. taking the cop out. It's like watching the NFL preseason. These games really no, fun. but that, that's the whole point. Like you do previews before the season to yeah. say what you think is going to happen. You know, we watch the NFL preseason. You don't. You, you can't yeah, say and you everybody know. makes Bowl picks. Like if we can't say based off what I saw in the preseason, I, I no, it's it's based
0: I, on the roster that you know, and then what you saw in the preseason. <laughs> it's just like any other time we'd ever do a, a preview show of a sport we but, did it
1: with baseball just last week right <laughs> but given given the given the, the 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 question that was asked um no, i mean look it, there's not much that i saw from these scrimmages that made me think that you know again that there were certain favorites that wouldn't be favorites um you know i think the celtics have a have a legit shot of winning the east i think milwaukee is gettable You know, I think Milwaukee's gonna be tough, but it's gonna come down to what Tatum, how good can Tatum be versus like Giannis? We because we haven't seen Milwaukee face Boston. We didn't see Milwaukee face Boston in February, and Boston in February was Jason Tatum, like on on another one Yeah, that
0: was T Mac, Jason Tatum. He was he was he was was
1: on just on on one Jason Tatum. So like. That is that could be a that could be a difference maker. I mean, they they should have beaten the Lakers. They beat the Clippers. So you so you do wonder. All right, does that make a difference? But uh, so i so I'll I think the Celtics have a chance to win the East. That's all I'll say. Uh, don't want to don't want to get too cocky. And the West the West I think is completely wide open. I think it could be five six teams in the West that could win the West. So it's gonna be interesting. Um... I, I again, I really don't want to make a pick, you know. If, like, if there was money on it, I, I I don't know. I may go with some wild picks. I mean, they say like you know Boston and like Dallas or something. I don't know, but it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um, um I I
0: know I've been the one that's... I, I I had the Clippers coming out of the West to start the season. I thought that the Lakers it was a bad matchup. I still do, but it, it's especially because I don't like the Lakers' point guard situation. But I'm really concerned about the Clippers' lack of cohesion with all the situations they've dealt with. Harrell not there. Um, Lou Wave's not there. It's like it may take some—I Like I don't know if it'll affect them. If they get to the point where they're playing in whatever round it is and they're playing the Lakers and all those guys are there, then maybe it won't matter. But I just think timing is going to matter. And I like that the Lakers, when I watched them play, even in losses, I felt like the starting unit and the guys that play a lot of minutes, they still look like a well-oiled machine. When I watched the Clippers, they didn't look like that. They looked they looked kind of like they looked in the regular season. Like, you know, they're playing the Magic. They're all kind of uninter- uninterested, kind of going through the motions. And then when they realize, oh, this game's kind of close. We should probably put this away. Then they put them away. The Lakers, I didn't see that. I saw a team that was playing highly motivated, highly energetic, even when they didn't play well, I felt like they the energy and the cohesion was there. So right now, I'm leaning in Lakers to come out of the West because of that. Even though I think the Clips are a great matchup, and and um the East, I tell you what, I think the Boston thing is interesting because what we saw last year, you know, shout out to you know our cousin uh, James James Tally because he you know he says something that I just is so so simple, but I really do think is so true when it comes to. NBA basketball and related to Michael Jordan, where he would say at the end of the day, MJ would always outplay your best player. And that's why the Bulls would win every playoff series. That no matter what happened,
1: it comes down to who's got the best player. Yeah,
0: he's gonna outplay your best player. And if that happens, you don't got a shot. And when it comes to the Bucks, what we saw last year was somebody outplayed Giannis. Kawhi Leonard yep. in Spurts. In, in Spurts, even Pascal Siakam outplayed Giannis in certain yep. games. Kyle Lowry had a big game somewhere in there, too. It wasn't always the one guy, but it was other. Uh, each one of those guys had all had huge games during that series. Yep. And that was the difference. So I have. With Jason Tatum and the way he's playing, and even someone like Kemba Walker, who we know he could have one or two just lights-out kind of games. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we beat Milwaukee earlier in the year. The Bucks aren't the kind of team where I feel like if Giannis gets outplayed, they could still win. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like the Lakers, if LeBron gets outplayed, they got AD. Who's outplaying right. him? Or is he able to play well enough to at least make that other guy a standstill? Right. Like, Middles,
1: I mean, uh, you know, Giannis is always going to be pretty much better than Middleton. So if Giannis struggles, Milton's not... only
0: going to get you so far.
1: Right. You're kind of, that's kind of, Giannis struggles. That's, that made everyone's right. Str- so when I think of,
0: okay, well, who in a playoff series could outplay Giannis? Man, Tatum's a bad boy. I'm not saying he's better than Giannis. I think that Giannis is the MVP of the league. Um, he very well could be the best player in the league.
1: One game situation.
0: Yeah. Game to I game, mean, so series to series, teams are making adjustments. Could Tatum be that much of a problem
1: for them? Absolutely. I can see I, that. We saw him against the two L.A. teams in, in was well, basically back-to-back games. It was before the all-star break and after the all-star break. Go against the two L.A. teams and was the best player on the floor in both games. By far the best player on the floor in both
0: And don't don't sleep on Pascal Siakam, who's also a problem. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another. I mean, he's a problem. He was a problem for them last year. Yeah, exactly. And he's way better this year. And now again, I'm saying this is a whole different season. So this is another year of development, essentially, for Pascal Siakam in this situation. The Bucks are a really good team. They're built in kind of a weird way where I always I'm always gonna feel like they're vulnerable. And I think this bubble situation makes me more vulnerable. And when I think of who's gonna outplay Giannis, I think there are some candidates. I don't see a lot of candidates in the West. I, I think I don't see I don't see Yoke's out outplaying LeBron. I don't see Doncic's out outplaying LeBron. You know Harden's great because I, mean, could, I could kind of foresee it possibly, but you know it, with him it's like it's it's will they make the smart plays in the right plays? You know, forget about the totality of the series. Will they play? Will they will they outplay LeBron in the times that matter? Is really more of the conversation. That's a, that, I don't think so. You know what I'm saying Harden may have better numbers over the course of a series, but I don't know if he's gonna outplay LeBron in the right points. You know Kawhi is the only guy you look at. So okay, this is gonna be tough, but when you again when you have AD he's going to really help that team really negate that one-on-one matchup that we're used to seeing LeBron have to have that Herculean kind of effort to have. Now he can kind of play more of the point guard role and still dominate. And by the way, it's it's still a marvel to watch him play that way this season. I mean, he's still doing it in the bubble. Some of his passes, the way he's seeing the team, I mean, you know, I know I've said this about um, Rondo, but he's also to me, he's like Peyton Manning. Like he just knows where everyone is, and knows, yeah, he knows yeah. where everyone is. He knows when to hit them at the right time. Like his grasp of their offense, his grasp of where everyone is on that team and everyone's strengths as a passer is god level. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Um, they,
1: they, yeah, he he's at the top one percent. Yeah, they're at super tier of, because sometimes we always talk about, you know, we talk about draft prospects all the time. We talk about, like, oh, this guy's the best passer in draft. Like, Daniel Russell was the best passer in his draft in 2015, but that, he's not, like, a LeBron-level passer. No. Because some of it is not only the ability to make certain passes and, you know, throw a nice no-look, but it's, again, it comes to basketball IQ. And Definitely. a guy, LeBron, you know, Doncic, I think, is on that level. Simmons is close. Simmons is an excellent passer simmons has his own issues that like i don't know sometimes i think limits even that maybe it's because he can't shoot i don't know but there are certain guys in the league chris paul obviously morant is pretty close that are such smart basketball players that it takes and you talk about rondo in his prime that are such smart basketball players that they it takes their passing to another level
0: yep absolutely couldn't agree more um but we we'll will be checking out this, these, these, uh, this action in the bubble. I, I cannot wait to get it started. I, I, you know, I'm off this weekend, um, and I'll be able to watch the first like four, four or five days, pretty much. Uh, so
1: <laughs> it feel like the NCAA tournament. Oh man, did. I can't wait. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I was robbed. You know, everybody knows me. Knows I, I always take off the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Um, that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because I'm like, yo,
1: yeah, hey, so why so i watch King
0: John vs. <laughs> I didn't even have to watch that. I was at work. I got to see them postpone the game. At that <laughs> yeah, time. The joke. Uh, <laughs> but like, but I got, to, but now like, like this is gonna be like kind of like the NCAA tournament this uh this opening weekend and the fact that it's coincided with me being off from work, I'm really excited about that. Uh, real quickly, Kendall, the Knicks reportedly finalizing a five year deal and make Tom Thibodeau the team's next head coach. Tiz was a 2011 Coach of the Year and served two previous stints uh, uh with the Bulls and the T Wolves as their head coaches. Um, He was also an assistant coach on the Knicks team that went to the 1999 NBA Finals under Jeff Van Gundy. So, Kendall, we know Tibbs has been looked at as the favorite for this job for a long time. We know that he wanted this job for a long time. It was very clear because his friends in the media wouldn't stop talking about him every time the Knicks job was open. So, it was very clear he did want this job. Uh, Is he the right man for the gig now, considering where the Knicks are? First
1: of all, I want to give a shout out to New Generation Media. Alumni, Jonathan Macri. Why do you call him alumni? Alumni is someone who has a show.
0: (laughs) Uh, Alumni, you've done this before. (laughs) Alumni. A friend of the show, maybe? A friend of New Generation Media?
1: (laughs) An ally? (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. For for breaking the story. He did. Shout out. Good massive shout out to Jonathan Macri. You know, people are saying, oh, Wolves broke the story. No, Macri said... Before Leon Rose was even officially the guy, that yeah, Tom Thibodeau ninety percent chance will be the coach. So this isn't this doesn't come by a surprise. And typically, when those things are said by anybody, and we see, um, you see some smoke. Like we saw some smoke this past week that all the typical negotiations are breaking down. And Jason Kidd is now the front runner, and I'll be honest, I I I I fell for it. I was like, wow, maybe Kidd's actually gonna be the coach. You know, I, I thought, you know, we like me and our dad were talking about, oh, maybe this is a situation where Thibodeau wants to go to Houston or some other team, Brooklyn or some other job, and so now Kidd's gonna be the coach of the Knicks, and that logic made sense. But at the end of the day, the the, the again the 90% odds thing. Played out how he expected. Now, of course, there are sometimes, like in the case of uh, Katie, Katie and Kyrie <laughs> going to the Knicks. Kyrie, exactly where that ninety-five percent uh, is bogus. But you know, Macri has it had a solid source, and the Thibodeau thing, uh, it, it ended up happening. And look, I think that this is a win for the Knicks. You know, I think this is a win. Um, we talked about it at length last night. We probably should have recorded a conversation about it last night, but. Um, the Knicks are, they're at a, they're in a situation where they haven't had a, a guy that I would consider an elite head coach since at least D'Antoni and D'Antoni had massive flaws, but even in Phoenix that he's since evolved in Houston with, but if you're going, if you're, if, if you're not going to say D'Antoni, cause there's a defensive deficiencies, then you're going back to Larry Brown in 06. Yeah. Well, a long time since the Knicks have had a guy you look at as an elite borderline Hall of Fame level coach. So, Tom Thibodeau, excellent coach in terms of X's and O's on the defensive end of the floor. Yes, we get the jokes about, you know, guys are going to, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson going to be playing 48 minutes a night, 48.5 minutes a night. They're going to break the Wilt record. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, it's going to be, but regardless, like, there are the biggest, the most exciting thing for me about this Tom Thibodeau hire, if you're a Knicks fan, is I think Mitchell Robinson could take a step that I don't think people are ready for. Like Knicks fans are probably ready for, people aren't, aren't aren't people around the league aren't ready to see first team all defense Mitchell Robinson, and I think that's a possibility next season. Because and maybe if it's not next season, it's the year after. Wow! But Thibodeau with Mitchell Robinson is is. A match being that, you know, Mitchell Robinson, I think, might be the most talented defensive player at the big at the big man spot that Tom Thibodeau has ever coached from a physical standpoint. Wow. And at least since he's been in Boston, you know, I can't go for anything before that, but I can't go for anything before that. But so because of that, I look, I think and that's what Mitchell Robinson's has been lacking is that defensive polish that, you know, added exactly. And that's what Thibodeau helped with KG tremendously and helped certainly help Joaquin Noah, who was essentially a mini KG in Chicago. And both those guys were captains and quarterbacks of their defense in ways that they probably weren't earlier in their careers. So look, I think Mitchell Robinson could be, I think he could be an excellent, excellent player starting next season. he's a great, he's a very solid young player now, but I think he could take another leap that people aren't expecting. Um, and the rest, of the, the rest of the situation, I think it'll come down to what they do in the offseason. You know, there's a lot of talk about Devin Booker and some people talking about Zach Levine and Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, Ola Deepa, all these different guys that could wind up being Knicks on some, uh, you know, through some level or Lamello Ball, different labs with the draft. Um, that's, that is the other part of it. Part of this I make sure to see, too, is what is a Tom Thibodeau top five pick look like? Yeah, because, you know, you go through
0: Thibodeau's history, he's not drafted very high for a while. You know, Chris Dunn, he, the only guy that he's yeah, ever drafted. Yeah, the Larry the the, the the Marketing pick, was, Lowry pick uh, was traded to Chicago for Jimmy Butler. Um, so he's not dealt with a lot of young players. You know, I, I kind of criticize Thibodeau's player development history and – it kind of wasn't fair because I didn't take into consideration probably his stuff as an assistant coach first of all because you got uh, Marcus Camby, you got yeah. Ray John Rondo, um, you got some Tony Allen, you got some hoopers that he's developed. The guys that were maybe fringe any players that turned into stars or really good players, and of course the biggest ones, Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler. You know, so fair is fair. You know, we talk about you know how he's kind of buried rookies and young players on his roster. Well, those are guys that maybe they weren't rookies, but he inherited them and they took a next step with him either as the assistant or the head coach. So he deserves credit for that. So because I kept some people, so some people, you know, a lot of people were hammering him for his player development and being like this guy doesn't match Nick's roster for player development. And I agree with that. But then you do some people were saying, actually, is this player development or why Nick's want him? And I kind of didn't understand that. But then when you do some more research, you kind of really think back on it. You're like, okay. You know, I could see some of this maybe more than I just I maybe more. I was giving him credit for. Um, look, I, I agree with your sentiment. Like I, I said it before, I, I've said this often that the one thing that does excite me about Thibodeau is, again, the Knicks have not had a guy that I've looked at and said this guy is an expert tactician and his knowledge of other teams and other concepts outside of his own team is. Elite level I never Again The only last guy I would say that I felt that way about Was Larry Brown And he mailed it in As a Nick coach He didn't care It was his retirement job He took 50 million And just didn't do any work Uh, It was like Phil Jackson Before Phil Jackson But this was as a head coach (laughs) So imagine how ridiculous That was Um Easy. You
1: didn't like Channing Frye starting whenever they played in Phoenix.
0: <laughs> and David Lee starting in Florida. In Orlando. Starting in Orlando. <laughs> Yo, if you don't understand that, man. Like, when we talk about <laughs> bizarre Knicks stories, it doesn't get talked about enough that like Brown was starting guys based on their hometowns and what they played in college.
1: Like, oh, we're playing the, the Seattle side? So, I guess they Robinson is starting. Nate Robinson is
0: getting, getting the start today. Like, it was ridiculous. It was re- like, we were, and like the first two times it happened, we kind of thought, oh, maybe, maybe it was a coincidence. That's a little weird. Then, like, the fifth or sixth time, you're like, yo, this is happening. We're in Phoenix and we're starting Shannon Fry, who hasn't started in three months. This doesn't make any sense. the Trevor Reeves is getting his start today. It was so bad. Trevor Reeser's got no burn for Larry Brown. He's starting against the Clippers. Like, it's just ridiculous. So, yeah, that's a oh, my God. Again, so many dark days. That's one of them that never gets talked about how crazy that was. Anyway. But, no, the idea that the Knicks have that kind of guy, it does excite me. Because I, I, we I go, we would go into games, and I say we, I know I shouldn't. But, you know, as a Knicks fan, you know, the Knicks would go into games, and you'd look at who's on the other, who's opposite bench. I'm looking at Rick Carlisle here, even though the Knicks did sweep the Mavs this year. But I'm looking at Rick Carlisle. I'm looking at Bud. I'm looking at Brad Stevens. I'm looking at Pop. I'm just like, and I look at outside, I see Fisdale, I see... Jeff Hornacek. I see Derek Fisher. Like, I don't... You don't feel like you got a shot. You're hoping that the players are making up the difference. And the Knicks ain't have the players. So, yeah. it, like, the idea that I say, okay, when we come into games... they are going to be games. We're going to come in. I'm like, all right. You know, I feel very confident in this coaching matchup with Tibbs against whoever this guy is. You know all what right. I'm saying? Like, that that gives me a lot of confidence. And that's a reason to have hope. The one... the Now, the other flip side is, look, I... I wanted Kenny Atkinson. I thought Kenny Atkinson would have made the most Mostly sense. Fans, they wanted Kenny Atkinson. I never really got the Atkinson thing, but I'll let you I wanted Kenny Atkinson because I felt like while I did give Tibbs more credit for his player development when we look more over the course of his history, I still kind of look at the recent stuff that happened with Tibbs and him dealing with young players, and how much of a disaster that was, and his inability to see the value in young players in Minnesota also being a concern, and seeing that the Knicks. By all accounts right now, we're not big game hunting and like just waiting for free agents or whatever. You're trying to develop the guys on the roster. You're trying to develop the team you have. I didn't think that Tibbs, based on what I had seen in Minnesota, was the right fit. And when you think about how the Chicago teams were veteran-laden, though they did have very good young players that did come into their own, like, again, Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler. But whereas Atkinson, I've seen him take a team that was just not good. But had some young pieces, and him through his player development coaching, which he, he's one he's the, maybe the best in the NBA. That's that I mean everybody that, that's the kind of um, reputation he has as a player development guy. That him putting a program in place for this particular team, a team that has no vision, has no direction, has no program. I thought that that was very enticing, and and to me, Atkinson would have been the, a great coach to be the guy that gets you to the guy. Thibodeau kind of feels like this is a, 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 a this is a great coach. Like I'm not, you know, like you know, he has his flaws. You know, the minutes thing, It's bad. And some people like to like poo poo that. Like no, guys shouldn't be playing 38, 39 minutes in this day and age in the NBA with all with the way how fast this game is, how much they go up and down. It's that's important. The practices I, that's a little less important to me, but the the minutes logged by your star players and how you're managing them is absolutely important. Um, Boogie Cousin's career is essentially over because of how he was running to the ground by New Orleans. Like you, you don't, this is not just oh well, they played forty minutes in 1985. That doesn't matter. We're talking about today's the age and how Thibodeau has handled his star players has been irresponsible. Um, but the the, the aspect. Of, of of this guy kind of being still a great coach but he has a young team who doesn't know how to win and will he have the patience to teach these guys how to win because the Knicks are basically at ground zero with the team they have I don't know it doesn't that, that that fit doesn't seem that perfect to me but what I will say is Tibbs eagerness to want this job and knowing the Knicks situation. Maybe and, – and then what I what I will say also is I, I have – boy, Tibbs, either he has a lot of friends in the media and in the league or maybe he really is just a very, very well-regarded guy because I have seen so many people come out of the woodwork saying that the the word that we have on Tibbs is just wrong. Forget that it's unfair. Or it's, it's just like it's wrong. The idea that he works his players out too hard is wrong. The idea that he doesn't player develop is wrong. Um that day that he doesn't get along with players is wrong apparently he's very personable and you know you you never know because at the end of the day this is all you know there's a media game to be played and if especially when you follow the New York Knicks media core kind of trying to piece together some essence of what is actually going on is extremely difficult it's not all the Knicks reporters fault a lot of it is the Knicks themselves fault like it's not I'm not going to put it say, all oh, the Knicks rose all hate the Knicks. That's what a lot of Knicks fans do, and I'm not that kind of guy. But because of their beef with the team and the team's beef with them and the the overall mess that is the roster and the play we see on the court, it's kind of hard to decipher really anything that goes on with the team. It's very, it's a, if you don't live in New York, it's a very weird situation. Though I can imagine looking from a distance it looks very weird considering how much of a mess it's been this long. So so I, I, so when I see all these people come out of Woodworth talking about Tibbs, I do pause. Cause I'm like, what exactly is going on? Is this just pure pro-Tibbs propaganda? Because he's a Jeff Van Gundy guy. And Jeff Van Gundy has just everyone in the media love Jeff Van Gundy. Because he's the only guy that gave them good access, gave them uh, winning basketball to cover. So he's kind of revered by the New York press here. I think that's... They would fight me on and it. Now he's
1: a member of the media. Himself. Yeah, and now
0: he's a member of the media himself. So, and, and and all those guys would fight me fight me on it. They'd fight anybody on that. They take that very personally. I don't care. That's true. It's very clear when you watch it. That's what's happening. So Tibbs. So I look at that's okay. Am I? Is this just something that I should kind of slow, pump the brakes on? Everybody just denying everything about Tibbs being bad, being just our misconception of it. But when you see the people in Chicago talk so highly of him, and then to be fair, I didn't see a lot of Minnesota people coming out and say, "Hey, Tibbs wasn't that bad." But you know, I've, I've seen so many people from Chicago, you know, you know, guys that played for Tibbs um, in Chicago, like Nate Robinson. Um, I've seen the the I play guys in Chicago talk about Tibbs. Remember, Tibbs left there on bad terms. It wasn't like it was a rosy ending. Like they they had they they dropped in wins every year he was there, so it wasn't just perfect. Situation for him in Chicago. But the way they talk about him and, and how well he prepares, how much this team plays hard for him, it it, it, it it can't help but make you excited if you're a Knicks fan. I mean, you hear this, and you're like, wow, man, like, it really sounds like this guy is dedicated and loves hoop. And that's what everybody says about him. I think even people that don't like him. Like, you know, like Jimmy Butler wanted to get the hell out of Minnesota, but he always talks about, man, Tibbs is my man. Like, that guy loves hoops. Like, who who wouldn't want to play for a guy like that? And I'm like, yeah. uh little dang spinal tap would tell me that maybe he wouldn't want to play for him
1: anymore. But... was plantar fasciitis. Yeah. Me, uh, I don't know. Yeah,
0: the way his career took a dive because of the foot injuries, all the injuries he dealt with tells me maybe I wouldn't. But again, Noah was like, the Knicks are in the right direction. They got the right guy. I'm like, if everybody is saying this, like, at a certain point, like how do I trip? Now... They did say a lot of good things about when Fizdale got hired. His friend LeBron and Wade, and they were like, the Knicks are in the right direction and stuff. And I mentioned that only to say that at the end of the day, it's still going to come down to upper management. Um, it's still going to come down to whether or not Dolan can stay out of the way. Can he let the Knicks run themselves like a, a semi-normal organization? And can Leon Rose and the, the, the parties that, that are there, the Scott Perrys and them, can they put together a program that uh can be a winner yeah that's really what's going to come down to i think we've seen nixon had like a million coaches since jeff and left we've seen that changing the coaches hasn't really changed all that much you know has there been some improvement or dips between certain guys for short periods of time yet yeah. you know uh woodson brought some stability and some, some winning uh obviously we saw like brown brought a complete nosedive you know to that you know so it's it's it goes, but nonetheless, it's been overall kind of just mediocre for 15, 20 years. So when you look at that, you realize it's, you know, the only thing that hasn't changed is the owner. So if management doesn't take that next step towards respectability, it's going to be hard to see if even someone like Tibbs matters, you know? But. While I thought Axon was a better guy, what I did say on Twitter is, boy, I don't know if this was what happened. I doubt it was what happened. I think it's more of me just joking, but if there's any way to get the Knicks fans to be 100% united and on board for Tibbs, it was throwing out that Jason Kidd rumor.
1: <laughs> that, man, you want to talk about people That's uniting true. behind something? Some people theory that they only put out the Jason Kidd thing just so that people can be happy about Tibbs.
0: Yo. It lines up. It lines up every time you think about the theory, and I, I've I've laid it out to multiple people. It lines up. Tibbs, there's this long process where we're all assuming it's gonna be him, so there's no real fanfare behind it because we're just kind of waiting for the inevitable, and
1: and know, he and he, co- and
0: he comes with his baggage, you know, right, like he's not like the per- he's not the perfect candidate. So while there will be some people that are excited, a lot of people will be like, oh, okay. Here we go. I, you know, we know what we know who this guy is. Like in some ways, that's kind of bad. Like, like with Hornacek and like Fisher and even Fizz Delta's degree. Like, there was kind of excitement in like being like, we don't know what we're getting. <laughs> like, you know, those guys had either never coached or coached such a short period of time. It was kind of that excitement. Like, we don't know what this guy's gonna bring to the table. That's exciting. Uh, and obviously, that was all disasters. With Fizz, it's like we know who this guy is. And not all of it's bad. A lot of it's good. But there's some clear, obvious flaws that he's had so that kind of and that along with again the the child to Jonathan Macri once again the February report that this is going to happen most likely 90 percent it tempers the expectation and everybody's kind of waiting for it to happen and all of a sudden Jason Kidd's a front runner and everybody freaks out and I'll be honest rightfully so because people are like oh what's the big deal why are you guys freaking out no it's Jason Kidd you should be freaking out if your, your team is trying to hide Jason Kidd as the head coach especially when you're the New York Knicks Especially when you don't have the most stable organization, a stable franchise. Especially when you're talking about the reason why you want him is because you think you have some pipe dream at Giannis. All those reasons, and that's not even talking about the actual X and O's debacles that kid had as the coach of the Bucs and the coach of the Nets. All the reasons are why people should have been panicking when Jason Kidd's name was being shot up as a frontrunner. But then all of a sudden, I, I heard the Tim's news and I yelled out, you know, I did my ad at Spider-Man moment. I was like, holy ish, like when I saw it crossing the bottom line. Because I thought it would be probably another week before we got this whole thing straightened out. And it kind of, it makes sense to be like, and I was excited. I was like, okay, we got Tibbs. It's not Jason Kidd. It's a natural reaction. I'm not, I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm, I can't say for sure that's what they were trying to do. But if that's what they were trying to do, it did work. Um, let's uh last uh, topic for today before we get to Kendall's core at the end. Um, Kennell, man, it's NFL season. I don't know what's going on. We have 23 guys uh, who've already opted out, even though we have training camp underway. Uh, Now, there was initial push by the Players Union via social media to improve safety measures after several high-profile stars like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson and Todd Gurley all voiced concerns about the NFL's lack of safety protocols. The league and union then reached an agreement to do daily testing for the first two weeks of camp. Those daily tests will resume it uh if after two weeks the positive rate is above five percent that percentage is below five percent uh the league will move to conducting tests every other day but nonetheless nearly two dozen players have indeed opted out they will not play this season and there are questions now about how feasible an nfl season is without a bubble master tefestacion of bleacher report nfl writer um he does that show The Untold story which is awesome by the way y'all should check out and i've met master he's a cool dude um uh, he says that there were discussions initially about whether the league should attempt to establish a bubble. This was very early on in their plans for the season. But the decision was ultimately made that, quote, an NFL bubble wouldn't reduce the risk of COVID. There's simply too many people on the tier one or two levels for testing. So, Kendall, with all that being said, how confident are you that the NFL
1: season is going to happen? Um, uh, confidence... I don't know. It's, it feels like the, the the other conversation. I mean, confidence is, is not extremely high. It was high last week, um, but seeing the Major League Baseball thing blow up definitely makes you feel a little uh, cautious about that. I think the NFL, I think there's still time for the NFL to pivot to a bubble. They'd have to delay the season, but I think there's time for them to say, you know what, let's find a spot where we can all stay. Um and let's play this in a bubble, because that's the only way that's that's, that's where it's doable. You know, Michelle Roberts of the NBA Player Association is talking today about, we may need to do a bubble next year. And guess where Kyle Kuzma was like, yo, let's let's put the bubble, he said we should put the bubble in Hawaii, which is something obviously that we've talked about the NFL making sense for. I don't know. I think right now the NFL's plan, they're going to try and do what baseball is doing, but with baseball, if it can't work in baseball with smaller rosters in what is a socially distanced sport, there's no way this is gonna work in the in the NFL. And the NFL is having similar is having a similar thing with you know, guys not being smart about the way they've conducted themselves off the field in terms of going to certain places that they shouldn't be and engaging in certain activities that they shouldn't during a pandemic. Jason McCourty said it himself. He's like, I've seen videos of guys at the club and stuff, and I'm like, Yo, we're trying to have a season. What are we doing? And they've the the protocol that they've instituted so far suggested that they're discouraging these things. But again, there are ways. If there's no bubble, if there's no security detail, those things of that nature, like guys are going to be doing stuff anyway. So, yeah, I mean, this is—I don't know—it's—it it's, seems like this is a kind of a lost cause until we get some sort of, you know, vaccine or they put themselves in a bubble. Um, but they could try it, and I just don't see how you could do this in a safe manner, um, because that's the thing—is that the 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 NFL's chief medical officer. talking about how we have basically what is a virtual was virtually a football bubble but that bubble is going to burst once teams start traveling like that's just it's going to happen so i don't know i mean the only the only way you can do this is either if you're in a bubble or you just complete you just consistently test teams every day i would i think the only way you can do this is I, i i would consider having two two bubbles in on the east coast and the west coast. I don't know how you do that in terms of Yeah, you gotta are you band are you banding the conferences? Right. You know, I don't know how that would work. Or are you like you'd have to change the schedule. Um I would think, but I don't know. This is this is a mess. Um I think that's why we've seen so many players opt out. Because I think guys know this thing is 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 is, is flimsy. This plan they have is flimsy.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it don't look good, man. Um, NFL looks like they're um, not taking this very seriously, and it's it's really disturbing to see some of the uh, NFL media members that are friendly to the league carrying their water, saying that oh, it's you people that keep wishing death to this league it, that's messing everything up, and not the idea that actually it's the league not taking the proper protocols. That's bringing this unwanted attention to it you know it's 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 tough for me to really see the nfl happening I, re- I really don't think this is gonna happen like the baseball thing is like i don't know we'll see how it goes but it doesn't look good nfl i'm like there's no way there's no way with that many people in that many places that have high cases of coronavirus um with players living in their own homes and the li- normal living standards there's no way you're going to tell me that that they're going to be able to all keep everybody negative in terms of testing and that once someone tests positive, they'll catch it in times where nobody else catches it. I think that you're going to see a lot of outbreaks. And it's tough because to me, I thought that the NFL situation, while obviously the most difficult, because as Master pointed out, the NFL pointed out, you know, they have the most people in regards to people on most teams, most equipment, most People you need in a stadium, all those kind of, all those things are true. We all know this is going to be extremely difficult. Which again, I repeat, is why I am all for nobody playing sports <laughs> again. But if you're going to try to do this, to me, the the option was clear. I thought the NBA should have went here. We talked about it on this show. I don't know why the NFL is not in Hawaii. Hawaii bubble was 100 percent to play. They know the state and the islands well because they do all their events for the Pro Bowl. Uh, you have a, at least one pro level stadium there and there's a million high school uh, stadiums there, and it's just playing land there. Like, you could make a football stadium. Yeah, you could build a football You stadium. could build a football stadium, or at least a football field, anywhere in that state. I mean, there's, no, there's
1: not going to be any fans anyway. So yeah, there's not going to be any
0: fans. And the cases there, you know, they, they had what they called, quote-unquote, a spike the other day. And it was 60 people. Like, and I'm, I'm not minimizing the city people that have it. That's anybody who gets it. That's terrible, and I, I pray for them. It's the idea that it's, it's not this large outbreak, this widespread situation. They've never had, I think, any day where they've had more than, like, 70 or 80 cases. And most of the days, you're talking about 5, 10, like, like a bad day for them. Like, 60 was the, the height recently. But a bad day for them was, like, 20. Like, that seems—and then you got all those luxury hotels So and with, that are not being used because tourism is kaput. Nobody's traveling. You could have rented out all the hotels you needed. You could have rented—you you could have— Purchase or rent it out. All the land you need to maybe create more stadiums that weren't there. But again, you'll have you have a you have the fields because football in Hawaii is huge. So their football fields yeah. there. Like yeah. they could have absolutely did a Hawaii NFL season. Yeah, you could build an indoor football complex. Right, and you could you could have had indoor stadiums. Like there's a lot of stuff they could have done. And to me, that the idea that they, we saw them, we it's like it just feels like you watch people. They, like, fiddle their thumbs. Like, it's like you watched it happen. That's yeah. the part of this that, like, like, leads to the level of frustration you hear in my voice, because this all feels unavoidable. This all feels avoidable.
1: The, the, the NBA was proactive in, the, in, their, in their measures. They took measures that people didn't know would work. Like, they, they, they no, didn't... We still we don't know for sure. <laughs> yeah, we don't know for sure that it would work, but we feel so much more confident now after seeing it. But I think the NBA I think the NBA had cautious optimism that they wouldn't project because it's, we're in the era of coronavirus where you don't really want to project any level of confidence because, like, you know, you don't want to look crazy. Yeah, you can look really stupid in, yeah, uh, in right. 10 minutes. <laughs> right, you no. can look really stupid in 10 minutes, obviously. But I think behind the scenes, I think the NBA was extremely confident that, or else they wouldn't have done it, that this bubble thing was going to work because of the science, but they were proactive in doing something that they had backlash on players like Kyrie Irving saying, this is inhumane, why are we doing this, Will guys get sick, you know, media members, people like ourselves saying, oh, this bubble thing, I mean, it just seems, seems kind of flimsy, what if a Disney worker comes in, and the Disney worker has it, and brings it in, like, we were talking about all these things that were, it seemed very possible, and I guess, in theory, still seemed possible, but now... We feel so much more confident after because two, three weeks have gone by and no one's got it in the NBA, MLS, and uh, National Women's Soccer League. All of these different leagues that have been performing in a bubble, the TBT, have gone without pretty much any cases. So, yeah, I mean, you have to feel good about about the NBA and about the bubble concept. But the NFL just seems to be reactive. They seem to be all... Wow, so things are the, the the baseball system won't work. I I thought we could just play this business as usual. Just take the fans out. Yeah, like take the fans out was something we talked about in March. In March. Yeah, come on, that, that was like the bare minimum. Just take the fans out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? That's not the, that's far from the problem. That's that's like the bare minimum. That's not why the NBA shut their thing down. They shut it down because players transmit to players, and that can transmit to more people. So I don't know, and I mean, I see why guys are stepping out. Hopefully, obviously, I I hopefully I hope that the NFL season could continue, the college football season could continue, uh, normally or on some level, you know, down the future, you know, some some at some point down the line in the in the winter season potentially or in the spring, but I don't know. I mean. That is the one aspect of this whole idea of oh the college football the college football can't do a spring season thing. Because like Sean Wade, cornerback from Ohio State, who's gonna be a top ten pick next year, like his dad already came out and said, Oh, this is spring college football season, he ain't playing. Like that that's he's shutting that down. Like he's over. It's over. Yeah, and yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and we've said that about a lot of guys. If you're if you're a first round pick guaranteed, it almost makes no sense to play in, in, in a spring college football season in a normal sense. But what happens if the NFL gets pushed back to the spring or the NFL gets pushed back to do a similar time of like January, February where they have to start. Now do guys say, Oh, and I could pray in a, I could play in a spring college football season, you know, because the, the NFL calendar gets completely pushed back. And then again, we talk about, once that happens in the sports calendar, it's just completely flipped, which is going to be fascinating to see how that changes. But it's it's the times we're living. You know i I think we'll be I think we'll see some level of the NFL in the next five six months. But I don't know if it's going to be I'm I'd be surprised if it. I I think it's possible that they try to start it, but there's no way they can finish it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's too many. Yeah, there's no way from now till february no there's going to be some kind of issue it's just inevitable and again it's not me wishing it happening i wish the nfl would have done more to make sure this wasn't going to happen but they just didn't they didn't put the, the they didn't put the right parameters in place they wanted to do business as usual and they didn't do anything drastic and here we are so um hopefully uh we'll see hopefully we'll see some football but if we don't I'm fine with that. If that means nobody gets sick or nobody dies, I I just hope as they continue on with this that we don't see anybody get sick or anybody die because that obviously would be a tragedy. Um, Let's get out of here, Kendall, with Kendall's Court. So what do you got this week?
1: Yeah, this week uh, for Kendall's Court, we're going to be talking about uh, the UFC. The UFC um, had an event. They're done with Fight Island. They had a big event this weekend uh, with... um, couple of fights that were interesting but that I did watch that I'll get to in a second but um the big news coming out of the UFC is that they have uh set a date for the Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gaethje fight that uh it will be taking place in October um obviously Justin Gaethje won the the vacated belt that that Khabib had vacated after he couldn't get to America because of COVID restrictions. Gaethje beats Tony Ferguson uh, in what was an upset. Ferguson was supposed to fight Khabib, and he ended up having to fight Gaethje, and he lost. Uh, Gaethje now is a champion. Khabib is the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world, regardless, you know, now he has a belt. He's undefeated. So this is something that people have been hoping for for a while. Conor McGregor had been trying to get his name in there. He tried to see if he could fight Gaethje, before that, McGregor, was ho- I mean, Khabib was kind of hoping that McGregor could fight Gaethje before he fought Gaethje because it helps build his fight regardless. Like, if McGregor beats Gaethje, now McGregor could be too. If Gaethje beats McGregor, now Gaethje's at another level for when he fights Khabib. So, but regardless, we're skipping right to the, to, to the fight that a lot of people want to see. Um, so that's exciting. But speaking of Khabib... Uh, this weekend we had, we had NF, a UFC history made when, uh, we had a guy in his, in not only his second fight as a pro, but his second fight in 10 days win back-to-back fights. Yeah, I uh, Comzet Chemaev, a, a, a Chechnyan, uh, fighter, uh who or he's, Swiss, he, he's swedish but originally born in chechnya he made his debut in the ufc last week uh and won but he won having not taken any blows and so he was like look i can fight again next week you know we're having another event fight island i'll stay here and give me another opponent comes back 10 days later and what was the quickest tur- turn UFC history between wins between fights and came and then won again uh, again taking no, no blows he only he only took two strikes over a ten day period of two fights um, neither fight I I'm pretty sure neither fight lasted uh, past the first round um, so that's a, that's a name to keep keep an eye on. You know, like Jim Rome tweeted, we could be looking at it, it could be 2.0 with this guy. Uh, the way he just completely obliterated his two opponents. It's very, obviously, EJ, you'll get this analogy, but it's very, like, it's very WWE-esque, where you have this, like, new guy who kind of has some hype going in, and you put him against, you don't know if, like, you know, it's like Braun Strowman, and he faces, like, these two no-name guys who right. aren't really actual wrestlers. They're just people in the backstage that they, get, they, put on, they tell him to put on a costume. And they, he just destroys these guys. Like that's what that's that's what this felt like. But the like he's doing it. Against actual, yeah, they were squ- legitimate squash matches. But he's doing it against like actual professionals. But that's the question: Is all right? He's doing this against guys that aren't really ranked or haven't really beaten anybody. But what's gonna happen when he faces? Like, can he face a top ten ranked fighter? You know, can he? Get, like, if he faced a champion, if he faced Kamara Usman, would he get washed? I mean, it's early on. You would think maybe, but as dominant as he looked, he didn't look like a guy that was like, oh, yeah, anybody could beat this guy. Like, so I don't know. It was very fascinating to watch, and I thought, I, I think, again, we talked about, like, you know, the, the, the a couple weeks ago, we talked about the, Sho, the Shohei Otani and the Luka Doncic. Kamzat Chemaev might be the next superstar in sports that we're not talking about. Like, yeah. he might be the next Khabib in two years. But, yeah, I mean well, We'll see.
0: Yeah, man. Everybody's talking about this guy, Shemayev. I mean, forget about even just, like, the skill to dominate two opponents within basically a week. But, like, just the heart. Like, to just be like... Like, you know how, like, there's a lot of emotions that go into stepping into any combat sport ring or octagon. There's anxiety, there's fear, there's, you know, these guys are... The courage these guys have is the roof and it takes a lot to step in there and they know when they step in there even if it's going to be a two second fight it still takes a lot of guts because you could be killed in these kind of instances and the idea that this guy would do all the preparation to get ready for a fight to step in that octagon okay he wins his match he gets his money most guys you you get take that check you could pay off all your mortgages, do whatever. You could lay back, relax, and maybe in three months you decide, "I'm gonna start training again for another fight." This guy'd be like, ah, "I feel good. Let me fight next week against another professional fighter, and I, I want to see who if I could test my metal in in a week to see if, if I still got it." Like that's just a heart from this guy. Like that that like, takes a I, lot, man.
1: I watched, I watched the fight, and his post fight interview is incredible. When you like. He gets on the mic and he's, again, he's speaking broken English, but he's like, you know, oh yeah, I'll fight. I'll fight again. Let me fight in, in an hour. Uh, you know, I'll give me an hour. I'll fight <laughs> someone else. Find somebody. Find, is there somebody on this island I can fight? You know, like, you know, I'll fight again next week. You know, they ask him, you know, who do you like? Who do you want to fight? He's like, I'll fight the champion. He's like, Everyone knows this guy's not on my level. <laughs> 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 in, this guy's not on my level. So, you know, I'll fight champion of two belts, three belts. You know, that's the goal. I was <laughs> um, like, yeah, this guy is very comic I guess the stated two things, he says, I'll smash them. He was like, I'll, I'll smash them all. I'll smash everything. <laughs> yeah. I just come in here and I smash.
0: Yeah, star <laughs> so- may be in the making with Jamaya I do quickly also want to mention, did you see that we're going to see be seeing in boxing a matchup of two icons?
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. We didn't even talk about that.
0: We got you got 51-year-old Roy Jones Jr. is going to step back in the ring to face none other than 54-year-old Mike Tyson. Iron, Iron Mike. Iron Mike himself is getting back in the ring for an exhibition eight round boxing match with Roy Jones Jr.
1: Is somebody going to get knocked
0: out? That's my question. Roy Jones is getting knocked out. Wow. Roy Jones. Is, have you seen Mike Tyson work out? Have you seen these yeah. videos? They're scary. <laughs> They're, I watch these videos and I, I am terrified.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then and then did you see the video of Roy Jones working out? Yo, Roy Jones, there's a video of Roy Jones working out. He's wearing flip flops. He's oh, in man. the ring wearing flip flops, just like kind of just half half hazardly hitting the pads and moving. He's not putting no effort in this. Mike Tyson looks like a pit bull. I mean, the way the thunderous blows he's hitting on these pads and the way he's moving the quickness, Roy Jones is not a natural heavyweight. And, and you know, I think the boxing promoter who I was putting together was like, "Oh, you know, this is gonna be these guys. They're gonna just dance around. They're not gonna really gonna try to hurt each other." That's
1: what someone said.
0: we're not trying to knock anybody out. You, yo, you say that now, Mike Tyson. All it takes is for them to be activated. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, he's a different, he's a different cat, man. Like, he may have all the best intentions leading up to it. But Roy Jones hits him with a shot that he didn't like. Roy Jones hits a shot we didn't like. Roy Jones says something he didn't like. Roy Jones doesn't do anything. He might just turn. Like anything could happen. And Mike could turn into 1991 Mike Tyson. And it's over for Roy Jones if that happens. Like, and I know Mike hasn't fought in like 15 years. I know this maybe sounds crazy. But I'm telling you, I, I don't want to hype up these videos too much. But Mike looks better now than he did in the two or three fights he looked when he retired. He That's looks fair. that good. That like, I'm not saying he's Mike Tyson from 1991. I'm saying, but like, he looks like professional yeah, level. He can, he can knock somebody out. <laughs> and Roy Jones has been getting knocked out regularly. Yeah. Like, and, and like, I hate to say that like that because I want to put respect on Roy's name. He's a icon in boxing yeah, and say a, a, better a, a legend. Mike Tyson. Yes. Maybe overall career, maybe better than Mike Tyson. I do want to make sure I make that clear. But Roy Jones has been getting knocked out a lot late in his career in the he's still because he's still a relatively active boxer. I think he boxed like maybe three years ago. So I don't know if he's officially retired. But Roy Jones has taken some vicious knockouts. And when he gets knocked out, it looks ugly. It's not uh okay, you know, he got worn out. It's lights out. And it's scary. So And with someone with Mike Tyson, the way he looks and the way he feels, and knowing just how nasty he can be in the ring. I am very scared for Roy, and I see Roy Jones working out in flip flops and, and Adidas slides. I'm very concerned for Roy Jones's health.
1: Look, uh, look, I'm excited for the for the undercard of Nate Robinson versus Jake Paul. That's going to be fascinating <laughs> as well. How does
0: that happen? Isn't Nate Robinson way out of the other guy's weight class? Nate Robinson's
1: like five eight. Yeah, they Robinson, Robinson's strong. though. He yeah, but okay, but he's
0: like 180 pounds.
1: Isn't Nate Jake Paul like 220, 230? I don't think Jake Paul's like that. Jake Paul, I mean, he's a YouTuber. I mean, we're not talking about like some guy's a tank, you know. He might be like two. He might be like two fifteen, from guessing, you know. Or okay, uh, maybe or maybe he's got to slim down. I don't know. But again, it's 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 an exhibition, so they may just be like whatever, you know. Nate Robinson is still. I would I would go with Nate Robinson regardless. He's a better athlete, so I I would take Nate Robinson unless you told me that Jake Paul is like two fifty, which he's not, then. Yeah, I'm taking it, Rob. Jake Paul boxes a lot for a guy that I have no idea if he's actually a good boxer.
0: Like, I've never yeah. seen him box.
1: Is he a good he's not, boxer? Kind of the inventor of the not the inventor. The yeah, because celebrity boxing here. is like the uh, recent like, the recent surge of celebrity boxing matches. He it's kind of his idea. Yeah, of his is ideas. he good? I I think he lost his
0: last fight. And I think the he kid. lost too. I didn't know if it was like he got. Washed. I, I don't. I don't know. No one ever explains. Like I, I like. I feel like we we, under, we learn that these matches are happening, and then we never Absolutely. know what we never know what actually happens. I think Logan Paul lost.
1: I think he one was. of them Pauls lost. Yeah, he knocked out whoever he was fighting. He, whoever he was fighting was like a joke though. The guy, I, I remember watching like I wasn't watching, but I saw like the highlights, and I was like this guy i mean the concept i remember i texted you i was like this stuff is ridiculous <laughs> the the fact that the zone is even like encouraging this, promoting this is ridiculous but um but look Nate Robinson that is a little different than just some other puny youtuber so i i'm i'll pay attention to this uh, it's a shame we we still never saw the soldier boy chris brown fight <laughs> i wanted to see Antonio Brown versus Logan Paul um but look i i I still want to see I was I still want to see Kenyon Martin versus Tim Thomas, I
0: wanted to see 21 oh, yeah. Savage versus 22 Savage. 50 Seth had this whole thing lined up, and none of it
1: came to fruition. Even Floyd were trying to put that together. My question to you is, EJ, in what sport, in any sport, if you could have one athlete that's over, let's say, 48 come back. I, that's a random number. Let's just say 50. Who would it be? Like, come back, but they are they like old, or are they in their prime? No, they're old, like Mike Tyson. But you get to see them play. I don't even want to say like against like guys now, but like you just get to see them play in the actual sport. We might be getting good, Mike.
0: But Mike you might should... be the guy for me. Jordan? No, Tyson. Oh, well, besides Tyson. Oh, besides Tyson? Um <laughs> I was like, oh, You think Jordan's coming back to
1: play in anything?
0: Well no well, I don't think anybody's coming back at fifty. I'm just saying what I want to see. Right, That's what you asking me.
1: Again, it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be coming back. Like Jordan doesn't have to come back and play in the league. You, just you see him Jordan playing in some kind of some in kind of yeah. I, I think like
0: Jordan, fight. I think I think Jordan looks terrible if he goes out there and plays. I know he talks like he can still watch anybody, but I don't think that's true. That's my that's my. T- some kid that was Jordan's going to hear that, and then he's going to put me in his next documentary and say I took that personally when he hears yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. He's going to be. I was listening to New Generation Media, and they said I, I saw some guys, some guy, guy never, some guy nobody's ever heard of on so this new, new on whatever scrimmage. And I took that and I took that personally. <laughs> you gonna find
1: all oh, No, that never happened, actually. But <laughs> um, if I think Bahamas of somebody else, ran into Jordan on his vacation and played pickup basketball with him, which is wild. On who TikTok. did this? Some kid on TikTok made oh, a video. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. Where, yeah. Where he was like, yeah, I was playing pickup at the Bahamas. And some old guy walks up and he wants there. to play. It's Michael Jordan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he and that kid with like the the slowest fade away. It was wet. But I'm just like, how did you let him hit you with that? It was like, that shouldn't have went in. <laughs> like, he had the skill to make the shot. But considering there was defense, I don't know how that happened. Um, let me try to answer the question. Black uh, athlete over 50 who I could see do something, play now. Um, I don't know. I'm not really into, like, the old-timers thing. Fighting right. fighting is different. Everybody wants to see a fight. And Mike Tyson is, like, some. He's a, he's a character. So, like... He's someone like, yeah, I would see him do anything. Like, definitely fight, for sure. But another athlete over 50, I, I really don't know. I mean, what I, I, honestly, it's crazy as it sounds, and I'm, I'm not super high with what he's done post his playing days, but, man, Herschel Walker is a physical wonder still. <laughs> so right. w- would I mind seeing physical Herschel Walker play football with somebody somewhere? I, I'd watch it. Yeah. Like I watch it, he's that he's in that good shape. He he thinks he can play in the NFL today. He we know he's kind of crazy, I and mean, maybe it's a CTE. But like he is legitimately a great
1: athlete. So yeah, maybe Herschel Walker. I want to see what some of these quarterbacks look like. Favre. I don't think he's got fifty, but Favre Warner, like those guys have been long retired. I mean, the fact that somebody even thought about signing Kurt Warner to me is still crazy. Like last year, or two years ago. Yeah, but. Um, I feel the quarterback's a position you could probably play to your 50. If, yeah, like, I, you can, know, I can see rich,
0: that.
1: In terms of, like, your health. But in terms of, like, can you be somewhat effective, I think you can be.
0: I kind of wonder, what. how old is Jerry Rice? I wouldn't mind seeing him play. He's definitely over 50. Yeah, I, I put Jerry Rice. Oh, he's 57? Damn, I'm old. I didn't think he was
1: that old. <laughs> um, but, you I I vividly remember the end of Jerry Rice's career.
0: Yeah, I didn't I did not think he was that old. I really didn't. I thought he'd be like fifty two. I, mean, I think 51. he retired when he was like forty three. I know he was really old, but I didn't I didn't think he retired that long ago. Like I'm like, yo, I'm old. Anyway, I mean it's
1: been like fifteen years. 15, years. 15, 17 years. That kinda makes sense.
0: Jerry Rice, I know he's always he's seen like that the kind of guy that's always gonna be in great shape. I wouldn't mind seeing him play football somewhere. But yeah, I would those would probably be the two guys if I'm if you're not if you're taking away Mike Tyson from me. I would probably see those two guys. A lot of basketball players, like, their knees are just shot. Like, they they can't move. Yeah. Like, and, and to be fair, a lot of football guys are the same way. But I think there are a lot of football guys who stay in shape. And, like, the way they – I guess the way they're – what they're asked to do isn't – in a way, as crazy as it sounds, isn't as taxing. Because it's not, like, jumping for a lot of these things. Like, Herschel Walker doesn't have to jump. Rice right. might have to jump a couple of times or whatever. But – but it's not a lot. It's not jumping all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a right. certain wear and tear on your knees and feet and legs with basketball that I just think at a certain point, like to even think about playing is crazy. Whereas football, you're a you're a runner and you stay in shape. I think you could probably still run and do stuff. You just taking hits be the problem. Which I don't know if I want to even take hits. Any he's got to take hits? I want to see him play like flag football or something like that. I would absolutely watch that. That'd be my answer. Word. Um, but that's it for this week's podcast. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this edition of New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. This is a long one, so I hope you guys stick around with us. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network. Once again, that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, make sure you check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, New Generation Media, Twitter, New Generation Pod, and on Instagram, New Generation Podcast. And follow me on social media, um, Action EJ on Instagram, and Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll be back as soon as we can. Hopefully that's next week with more sports
1: talk. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Later. Peace.